All right, welcome to the January 4th edition of the Suspended Indefinitely podcast. We have Alex Gratis back in studio, uh, Ryan Noonan joining us from all the way across the country in Florida. What um, up? Hello. So yeah, good episode last week uh, with just being Ryan on the air. Alex joins us after recovering from his version of the death flu. No, nothing was wrong. I just chose to not be good at my job in podcasting and... You know, my my job came first, and that's all that came that came down to last week. That's so. good. I mean, I'm back, lazy fuck. Yep, huge, huge. No, lazy none, none of us are good at, at this, so we have to do other things. It's not the it's not the point. You just keep talking and recording and and uploading, and it'll all work out in the end. You lazy bastard. It's true. Well, we're back this week. Stacked show. A lot going on in college football. We finally got some good bowl games to talk about. Bad damn time. Had two crazy CFP games, which was awesome. Um, and of course, we have TCU and Georgia coming up uh, next week on the ninth in the national championship. But um, normally, you know, we do this show, we record it on Tuesday so that we could talk about what happened on Monday Night Football. And last night's game was one of the most anticipated Monday night games of the season. I was excited to come on here and talk about all the playoff implications and the fantasy implications and Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen and two explosive offenses and really two of the hottest teams in all of the NFL facing off. But what we saw happen with roughly six minutes or so to go in the first quarter, uh, I don't think any of us have really seen happen um, before, you know, it has happened. I've ever seen it has happened in sports before uh, where, where you have, you know, these scary heart issues and you have athletes uh, go into cardiac arrest um, during play. It's happened uh, in the NHL. It's happened in the KHL. Um, it's even happened, I believe, in college baseball before. Um, but it is scary. And uh, I did want to touch on that before we just, you know, go all happy-go-lucky into our normal bullshit because it was very serious. Um, at this moment, Tuesday night, DeMar Hamlin is still in critical condition uh, in Cincinnati. Um, so we certainly wish the best for him, um, certainly wish for a full recovery and, uh, ultimately, uh, you know, tough scenes to watch last night on ESPN, uh, from Cincinnati. So, um, we'll be talking about that more in depth about the NFL's decision about the two head coaches, um, and how everything kind of came to be, you know, in the heat of the moment, um, and just our perspective on it, you know, as as fans who've never really kind of seen anything like that before, because I think it's important to to kind of digest everything and, and, and really look at, you know, um, everything from a 10,000 foot level, uh, because it's good to talk about it because th- these sorts of things, you know, that's not what sports are about. It definitely removes the entertainment uh, element of it extremely quickly in the blink of an eye. So, um, but yeah. Plenty to talk about in that regard. Um, plenty to talk about in the NFL overall in general. Um, it's certainly, you know, before we get into all of that, we finally got some entertaining bowl games. Thank God. Um, <laughs> all time. I was so tired of the guaranteed rate bowls of the world and the Gasparilla bowls of the world. And the, Are you saying that you didn't enjoy that slobber knocker that was New Mexico State versus Bowling Green? Wow. Absolutely. <laughs> well, no, I didn't. I'm going to say it, hot take. I did not enjoy that game at all. Mm. Um, But, I mean, yeah, we were just, you know, pre-show, we were going through 
uh, some of the bowl games from from last week. And finally, finally, post-Christmas, college football started to heat back up again. I was excited. Ryan, we touched a little bit on it last week. I was talking about how I was excited finally about um, the guaranteed rate bowl, actually, uh, Wisconsin versus Oklahoma State. We finally got a Big Ten team in there um, against a Big 12 team. So that that actually ended up being a pretty good matchup. But um, really on Wednesday, I think, was when when college football bowl season really hit its stride uh, because Wednesday was you know a pretty stacked uh, slate of games and whether it should have been or not, it ended up being a, you know, pretty damn entertaining day of college football. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lots of bowl games. Ryan doesn't take cues. He yeah. just, yeah. Well, I mean, I thought he was going to touch on the bowl games. No, bit, but. no, he said, fuck it. He's like, I'm not going to talk at all. I'm not going to say anything about those games. Jeez. So, but yeah, uh, well, the Oregon, only other, the, well, the only one that was worth talking about is the one that, um, what did we touch on before? I think it was, um, God damn it. Now I just lost it. Um, it's fine. It's fine. I'll just, I'm going to tag myself in. <laughs> Off to a rip roaring start over here. <laughs> no, um, Oregon and, and North Carolina. Um, that game was better than it should have been. North Carolina led, um, really for the majority of the game, I thought that they were going to put Oregon away <coughs> and um, Oregon uh, late in the game doinked an extra point, but it actually ended up going off the upright uh, and through, which you don't normally see. Um, so that, you know, gave them the lead in the fourth quarter and uh, Oregon goes on to win 28, 27 in the San Diego County credit union holiday bowl. Um, but that one actually was entertaining. I thought both quarterbacks, um, you know, looked good. Uh, Drake May only threw for 206 yards, but uh, three passing touchdowns. Um, so uh, Bo Nix in Oregon uh, coming off a hell of a season, always entertaining to watch in that system. Um, yeah, that was actually finally some good football. And I was like, okay, this is good. Christmas is out of the way. And now we can get back to football and Oregon and North Carolina, you know, gave us an entertaining matchup. I thought. Yeah. Well, I guess we watched uh, different games. I don't know if it was a regional coverage thing or something, but uh, the one that I was trying to think of that I just remembered while you were going on was uh, Kansas, Arkansas that went to triple overtime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the, that was the game of the day. Um, yes. For sure. Yeah, that one was on a little bit later in the day because I, I turned on the TV and I was going to check out Texas Tech and Ole Miss. Right. And they, they gave an update from Kansas, Arkansas, and I didn't realize that that game was even still going on. That game well, had you know no what? business Nobody being did. as good as it was. Nobody did. And let me tell you why. Name for me, please, the one Big 12 team that everybody used to make fun of all the time. That's the whole conference. That would be Kansas. Right? Also Kansas. <laughs> okay. So – I am stunned at how far Kansas has come in. I think this is um, Lance Leopold's um, first year, I think, first or second year, and they locked him up with a new like eight-year deal because he was going to bolt for, a new, for another job. Um, and then just just to see the growth that they've had so quickly is, is very impressive. Yeah, uh, I mean, starting the season 5-0, um, and and then having their only loss uh, through their first six games, 
come against TCU, they would go Which on. Which is not a bad loss. No, it's it's certainly not a bad loss. And then they would go on um, to lose against Oklahoma, tough program. Um, that was at Oklahoma. Uh, they lost at Baylor. And at that time, Baylor was still playing some, some pretty good football. Um, and then lost uh, at home versus Oklahoma State. Or, or sorry, uh, beat Oklahoma State at home. And then went on to lose their last three games of the season. So they're kind of, you know, definitely kind of a bipolar team still starting off, you know, very hot, uh, albeit against a pretty late schedule early on in the season now that I'm looking at it. But starting out 5-0 and and then losing six of their last seven down the stretch. Still made a bowl eligible with that win against Oklahoma State. Um, that's how they ended up here against Arkansas, obviously, but this game had no business being as good as it was. Kansas scores 18 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Game ends up going to not just overtime, but triple overtime. So we saw, you know, uh, each team trading two-point conversion attempts, which is a newish rule of college football that, you know, you're not just starting at the 25 anymore and trying to score. You're just – you're lining up at the two and you're, you're going for two. So that's how we ended up, you know – 55 to 53 with Arkansas over Kansas, but holy shit, that was a good game. Jalen Daniels, 544 yards passing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's like, that is more than video game numbers. Absolutely. And I'll tell you something else KJ Jefferson, that guy, somebody is going to get a very underrated quarterback whenever he, I don't even know if he's declared for the draft. Um, he's a junior right now, so he might. Um, but he also might come back to uh, for his senior season. I haven't heard one way or the other. But that guy, you talk about a, just a pure dual threat. The guy had 130 yards on the ground. And, mm-hmm. you know, just he's, he's probably one of the best, aside from C.J. Stroud, one of the best uh, dual threat guys I've seen all season. Yeah, so he, he actually announced in early December that, that he was coming back to school. Oh, did he? Oh, okay, I missed that. Yeah, but now, I mean, after a game like this, um, you know, eyes are going to be on him as yep. a prospect. It'll be – I mean, I don't I don't think that he's got eyes on transferring or anything like that at this point because that probably already would have happened as soon as the portal opened. So it looks like he'll be sticking with Arkansas. Arkansas did have a winning season. They're obviously in the SEC with a lot of tough matchups. Um, well, he's also a stud there too. I wouldn't go if I was him. No, I mean it's it's his team, and I mean not just through the air, but I mean two two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I mean averaging. Wow, both both quarterbacks actually averaged nine point nine yards through the air. Uh, crazy. But yeah, I mean he's definitely on the radar after that performance for sure. Uh, Got so, it. He'll be one to watch, maybe a later round guy if you just want to go after an athletic quarterback with, you know, evidently some pretty big upside. <clears throat> and he's he's fast. And he's 6'3, 242. Yep. Like he can fucking move. And that's a big boy. <laughs> yep. But um yeah, I mean that was that was finally good to see that we actually had two entertaining bowl games in the same day. They weren't even New Year's six games. Um, which we'll get to, but Wednesday of last week definitely got me back into college football as a fan for the stretch run and into the weekend all the way through the CFP game. So that was very exciting. Um, 
Thursday uh, to Texas versus actually there were so every single game <laughs> on Thursday was within one possession. And that's what happens when you have records like eight and five, 11 and two. You know, Oklahoma's sitting there at six and seven, but they're playing Florida State, who's 10 and three. Syracuse came into the game at six and six, so kind of a dud there. Minnesota came in at nine and four. But you've got matchups with teams that aren't just, you know, treading water at 500 finally. And you end up with some pretty good football because I think that the teams that come in at 500 have a chip on their shoulder and something to prove, especially in the case of Oklahoma coming off a pretty shit year. Um, at Syracuse, <clears throat> I mean, Syracuse took Clemson to the limit uh, earlier in the season. They're not a bad football team at all. So I thought that they matched up very well against uh, a 9-4 and four Minnesota squad. Yeah, well, and I can't get over the fact and how much Oklahoma just shit the bed this year. I mean, talk about a team that had expectations mm -hmm. when they brought in uh, Brent Venables. Mm -hmm. And they just went off the rails this year, dude. And that that was that was very surprising. And yeah, they played FSU close, but I mean that's not going to do anything for you. You didn't win, and you know I hopefully they have a better season next year. Venables was one of the hotter names on the coaching carousel. It was all about where's he going to go. He could have, you know, there was a point in time where he put him pretty much could have picked his his destination, and he really did. Um, Oklahoma is, was still set up uh, as a very yeah. talented program, even though they lost some transfers uh, who followed Lincoln Riley to USC, obviously, uh, right. Caleb, Caleb Williams being one of them. Um, but, I mean, finishing the year six and seven, when you should be at the top of a pretty winnable conference in the Big 12, do yep. you guys think that, you know, Brent Venables kind of gets a pass for this year? Or do you think that, you know, we should be pounding – you know, sounding the alarms, uh, kind of like they're doing in Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher, you know, not the same reaction in Oklahoma as there was at Texas A&M, but, you know, kind of a similar situation when you look at it top to bottom. Well, I have a unique perspective on this because I think um, not this coming season, but next season, Oklahoma is going to the SEC. Um, mm -hmm. So you could look, I could look at this from two, two different vantage points here. If I'm Oklahoma's boosters, I say, okay, either – we give you a pass for this year because those are all Lincoln Riley's guys and you got to recruit because he lost a bunch of stuff and blah, blah, blah. But you are on a very short leash because you know those Oklahoma boosters can dig deep with that oil money and pay off his contract if they fire him just like they would with Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher's got like a $50 million buyout or something crazy like that. Yeah, it, um, it goes down every year, but it's, it's – right. It's crazy numbers. But but then, you know, so with them on the verge of joining the SEC, I'm inclined to say, okay, this was his first year. He still has a bunch of Lincoln Riley's guys. He's got to get a chance to recruit his own guys. The offensive coaches have to get a chance to recruit guys for their system because it's a totally new staff, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I would I would be inclined to give him a pass in that regard. But with the SEC on the horizon, uh, he doesn't have too much bigger of a leash if, if I'm an Oklahoma booster. Because if you think that life is going to get any easier for you when you get into the SEC, good luck. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, not not off to a great start. And Oklahoma would owe him the full $43.5 million. Right. Uh, and coming from somebody whose team owes 100 plus million, I think, in fired coaches' salaries, thank God we didn't hire him. <laughs> It's it's just insane, like that these guys, and we see it at the NFL level too, with, with Urban Meyer and right. Jacksonville. You know, they sign these mega deals, 
and there's there's really no downside whatsoever. Um, you saw Jeff Fisher sign like a five year extension and get fired a week later in yeah. Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's insane because as much as the head coach affects the game, you know, money really doesn't correlate too much to that. At least one way when you're talking about losses, when you're yeah. talking about wins, a coach has all the leverage in the world and can name their price. When you're talking about losses. They could be, you know, out the door, you know, just like you said, within a matter of weeks of signing a, a multi-million dollar contract. But at the end of the day, it just shows that, you know, the millions and tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars that are involved pale in comparison to what winning means <coughs> for these programs. And especially a program like Oklahoma, because like you said, they're gearing up to go to the SEC very, very soon. Yep. But, uh, you know. Interesting season for them. Um, Florida State ends up ranked 13th overall. Um, Oklahoma. Do you remember when everybody was calling for Mike Norville's job? Oh yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I mean, they. This is a team that beat LSU in week two, and look at where LSU <laughs> ended up. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, good for him because I know a lot of. Uh, you know, obviously living here, I know I've met and become good friends with a lot of people who are Florida State alums. Um, and they're just thrilled at how, you know, how that team finished up. So they they had three losses in a row against Wake Forest, who ended up ranked, um, North Carolina State, who ended up ranked, and Clemson, uh, who ended up, you know, at one time they were flirting with, with being a, a playoff. <clears throat> right. So, you you look at that, and that's your only three losses on the season. And then, of course, you run the table uh, to finish out. You know, you've got Miami in there, but Miami was a dud again. You know, that's that's another head coaching hire. With, they also with finally Mario made Cristobal. their statement against Florida. They've yeah, always been the, the, the little brother, and they finally got it done this year. Although they were ranked 13th when it happened, it was mm-hmm. kind of expected. But Florida has always been, you know. The, the premier team in the state. So yeah. it's nice to see Florida, Florida State, um, you know, bring some some grit to that program. And, and Florida finishes <laughs> at six and six. So that's, you know, or yeah, at least regular season wise. But yeah, I mean, state of Florida, maybe up for grabs at this point, because I would have to imagine that Miami's going to bounce back. They'll. Yeah. I they'll, would say the they'll, only they'll find some guys. They'll dig the only question right now are the Gators. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gators. I mean, they're they're always there, but again, it's like it's so hard to compete uh, in the SEC right now, unless you're Alabama or Georgia. Um, well, Billy Napier is a hell of a recruiter, so I think that's yeah. another one, just like Venables, where you know, okay, he's gotten through one year with whatever scrap heap was left to him. Um, right now. You know he'll be able to really focus and hit it hard with, um, with recruiting recruiting guys. You know to his system and his fit and his culture. Yeah, exactly. I think that he's he's got more of a clean slate right now. Yes. Than Venables has in Oklahoma, and I would have expected more out of Venables in Oklahoma than Napier in Florida because I mean yeah Napier just in my opinion had a lot less to work with coming into that program. Right now, he can go out and really build up that roster over the next two years and really see what happens. Oklahoma, 
you know, yes, they, they lost Caleb Williams and they lost, you know, a legendary head coach and offensive mind in Lincoln Riley. And all of it happened very quickly and very unexpectedly, um, which was not really necessarily the case with Florida. You know, the writing was on the wall and everyone kind of saw a head coaching change coming there. Um, so two different scenarios in that regard, but I would have thought that Venables was much better set up for success than Napier in Florida. And I'm excited to see uh, how quickly Napier can turn things around because I really think that he will do so very quickly. Yep. Totally agree. But um, yeah, I mean that, that game getting back to the cheese it bowl, it's my favorite bowl. Um, it's definitely the cheesiest. Um, it is not the cheese it's bowl. Um, yeah. We learned that. Yeah. We, we shared that with our audience last week. We educated them. Uh, we, we talked through. Oh, that's good. I missed that. We shared the trauma together. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, let me just there. tell you how much the of an enlightening conversation that was. It was. <laughs> I learned a lot. Um, namely that it's Cheez-It crackers if you have more than one. Yeah. But if you only have one, then it's just a Cheez-It. Then you just consume one Why Cheez-It. wouldn't it be just a Cheez-It cracker? Like, if well, we're going to – Sorry. Go no, it's, Please explain. Well, it's that's that's it is, but it's a cheese. It it's yeah. Hey, hey guys, real real quick. Um, sorry, something just broke about Demar Hamlin. He's um, he's on a ventilator and has improved to fifty percent oxygen needed after previously being at a hundred percent. Yeah, and that's that's good news. So yeah, sorry, no, I just that just broke. So I just wanted oh, to talk and carry on. But um, yeah, so. Entertaining cheese bowl. The cheese it mascot got, or no, sorry, that was in the LSU game. The other cheese it bowl, the cheese it citrus bowl, that was well, sponsored well, by well, cheese it. There were two cheese its. Well, the, yeah, there was the cheese it bowl, and at the cheese it bowl, players only only a handful of players stayed in the cheese it hotel room. It was entirely cheese. There's themed. a cheese it hotel. What? Okay, dude, Google it right now. There were cheese it sheets and drapes and. You know, cheese it figurines and decor. It was impressive. Holy shit. Yeah. This is real. Wow. I'm not lying to you. That was for the cheese it bowl. So you had one Oklahoma player. Um, I think it was it was one one or, or two from each team, but at least one, possibly two. And if it was two, it's not players from that team. It's it's an Oklahoma player crackers. And see, anyway, I'm that was remember that was the Cheez It Bowl. Next time, but I'm then you had crackers. then you had the Cheez It Citrus Bowl. So Cheez It was the sponsor. It was the, the presenting sponsor. Presenting that's gotcha. the word. The presenting sponsor of the Citrus Bowl as well. So big year, big couple weeks. Huge Cheez It year. Are you kidding big me? Big year. Hello. Uh. Uh-uh. Big year for cheese it crackers, oh, not cheese yeah. its. I just said cheese it year. You said it is I the thought, name of the I product. There was, I thought there was a, a yeah, a, a multiple in there. Uh, Sorry, guys, I'm eating some cheese its while you're talking. Oh, yeah, that's good. It's mm, not what they are. I'm actually not a big cheese it fan. I'm not either. I they're okay, but great road trip snack. That's about it. 100. Well, yeah. just sit there in your wrongness and be wrong. It's fine. <laughs> um. But yeah, Cheese It Bowl, extremely entertaining. That was one of my actually, you know, um, one of my more favorite bowl games of bowl season, and especially uh, the last week. Both quarterbacks absolutely went off. Um, 
Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma, averaging over 10 yards per pass, uh, only the one touchdown, 243 yards. Jordan Travis for Florida State, 418 yards through the air, two touchdowns, had one interception, but whatever, that's entertaining too. Average 11 yards through the air. I mean, that's good football. That is just air it out, West Coast offense. That's what you would expect from these two teams. And I was very entertained by the Cheez-It Bowl. So more of that, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that maybe you get three or maybe four Cheez-It or Cheez-It parallel bowl games next year. I would enjoy that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how I feel. Um, I actually do have a question along the lines of bowl games for you. Oh, okay. All right. Um, have you emotionally recovered from the Peach Bowl? Um, Are we just going to get into it right now? I guess we're just going to get into it right now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I, we can I, get into I, it right now. No, I mean, that's that's next up. Unless, Do you want to be happy or do you want to be sad first? We can go TCU Michigan or – Dude, I well, figure well, you yeah. just want to rip it off no. like a Band-Aid and get it out of the way. No, I mean, we're just – I like to go chronologically. I'm okay. a big chronological guy Yeah, because I'm a storyteller. So or do you I want like to end the segment in front of that team Tell up the story, bro. I like to set it up and, and just and just go throughout the day. So here's what happened. So Friday night, you know, you end the night. Tennessee and Clemson in the Orange Bowl, that was supposed to be, like, really one of the better games. Um, Tennessee was a surprise all season long. Clemson kind of sputtered but really collected it back together you know, kind of toward the end, two very talented offenses, and you end up with a game that was 31 to 14. I was very upset. I don't even want to talk about it. Um, other good games on Friday, Pittsburgh and UCLA with Pittsburgh pulling that one out um, with a late field goal. That was incredible. Uh, good to see Pittsburgh playing the way that they are. Um, always a respectable program. <laughs> I would have loved to see them jump ship to the Big Ten and mix it up with the likes of Penn State and Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Give it time. Um, I bet they will. It might happen, but you know, for now, they end the season now at nine and four after that win. And that's Pittsburgh is always a team that plays entertaining football. I'll always watch Pittsburgh in a bowl game. They always have some really talented players. Um, Demar Hamlin coming out of Pittsburgh, Can for example. Um, they surprise. So that was a very entertaining game, uh, 37-35. Notre Dame, South Carolina, I don't think I expected Notre Dame to ever put up a 45 spot um, after the season that they've had. But, I mean, holy shit, that one, they were down early, uh, down 21-7 to in the first quarter, and they just kept shipping away. Uh, and then all of a sudden in a monster fourth quarter, like that game, that game had it all. It really did. So Notre Dame – Finish the year ranked, finish the year nine and four. They start off 2023 against Ohio State in South Bend. Maybe a little bit of a revenge game for them, certainly a statement game for them. Second year, Marcus Freeman is the head coach. You had and better be going to that game. I am going to that game. I will be in South Bend uh, in early September out there. So, um, but big victory over South Carolina, who played, you know, CFP ruiner uh, at the end of their season um, and played extremely entertaining football down the stretch against uh, not only destroying Tennessee 63 to 38 and knocking them out of the CFP, but also uh, defeating Clemson at Clemson 31 to 30 to finish off their season. So 
Uh, maybe a little bit of a letdown for them. Um, a little bit of a trap game, if you will, coming in. But Notre Dame also, you know, started playing some some pretty good football down the stretch. We'll see what they do at quarterback. I think <clears> they're going to reach into the transfer portal um, and go get somebody because they they have to. So um, that one was good. Um, Ohio and Wyoming went time i don't watch a single minute of that so i don't you know I'm why sure. would you <laughs> i'm sure that that was entertaining football oh yeah it's the barstool well. sports arizona bowl so you know portnoy made it very entertaining a bit <laughs> yeah i'm sure that's great that's another game that happened so I'm, I'm looking at that now um but now now we get into saturday so yeah like i said friday i was a little disappointed you know i was geared up for for especially that um Tennessee and Clemson in the Orange Bowl. That was actually the first of the New Year's Six Bowls. Then we get into Saturday. <coughs> and Iowa, Kentucky, no no one cares about that. That was – that. all the points were scored in the second quarter. Um, I think – I know that Iowa had at least one defensive touchdown, as is tradition. Um, that's as much as we're going to talk. I, Iowa wins 21-0 over Kentucky. Um, but – then you get the Sugar Bowl. This one on paper, it looked good. I think the result, we all saw it coming. Uh, Christine, mythical Christine, who is real and does actually exist and will join the show at some point. She called it, she said that <laughs> Alabama would kind of not sputter out of the gate, but come out a little slow, feel them out a little bit, and then absolutely just destroy them uh, in the second part of the game. So she she nailed that one. Um, but uh yeah, thoughts on the Sugar Bowl, thoughts on Bryce Young, who had a performance that I think solidifies his spot as a top five pick, if not first overall. No, 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 no. Number one. Oh, here we go. Pick. Number one, you think? Yeah. I mean, yep. that's what I was going to say. It's absolutely going <clears throat> number one. I think that point. his performance in this game, it closed the book on all the haters because some of those throws that he was making, and particularly in the red zone, were incredible. I mean, I could have caught some of those footballs. They were so accurate, you know. Um and he's putting his his receivers in a position where only they can get to those those footballs in in crucial areas of the field. And you know, it yeah, is Kansas right. State, not the best defense in the world, but you know a team that had a lot to prove coming into this game after uh, narrowly losing, um, you know, to TCU. So this was uh, a statement game, certainly for Bryce Young. And he really put a stamp on it. Only completed 15 passes, but 321 yards, 15.3 average through the air, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, that was incredible. Yes, um, you know. And then if if I'm if I'm Houston, um, yes. I I look no further. I don't overthink it. You go and get your franchise quarterback with Bryce Young. Don't be stupid. 100%. Don't pull, a, don't pull a Mitchell Trubisky. Don't be stupid. Yeah, okay? I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna throw this at you. And, you know, we'll talk about C.J. Stroud and his performance against Georgia because it is it is Bryce Young, you know, and C.J. Stroud at the top of, of draft boards. QB1, QB1A, put him in whatever order you want. Um, there was even an article that came out today that said that, with C.J. Stroud's performance against Georgia that, you know, by the time the draft rolls around after the combine, after pro days, that you'll see Stroud pretty handily at the top of draft boards. But 
just sticking with Bryce Young right now, you know, he's 3,300 yards on the year, 32 TDs, only five uh, interceptions, uh, quarterback rating of 86.1 to finish 2022. He's six feet tall, 194 pounds. Does not look on, on TV. He does not look six feet tall. No, he, he, he plays bigger than that. But is that a little bit of a concern when, you know, you're really picking apart these quarterbacks as they do between now and the draft in April? Well, how tall is Russell Wilson? How tall is Cam Newton? Well, Russell Wilson was a third round pick. Okay. So Cam Newton was six five. Yeah. And and he was six seven before he rolled his truck over. <laughs> so <laughs> hey, impossible. So, that was a good one. <laughs> so listen, this is all I'm gonna say about this. Houston should not overthink this. Okay. They have the number one overall pick at this moment. You go and get Bryce Young. They also have the number 12 pick, okay, mm-hmm. because Cleveland traded that pick to Houston in the Deshaun Watson trade. I love it. He's coming in with some okay. draft knowledge. This is so great. you know what? You draft Bryce Young, number one overall, and then you say to Bryce on the phone, who's your favorite target? Mm-hmm. And then you go and get that guy. Mm-hmm. And then you start to build around him. And then you spend every other draft pick you have shoring up your offensive line. Well, here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing about that. Alabama has a lot of first-round talent, and maybe not at wide receiver, but maybe you're looking at running back. I know you have Damian Pierce coming off of a awesome rookie year in Houston, but Jameer Gibbs is right there for the taking. Um, maybe not first round. Do you look defense? They need a safety. Brian Branch, who also had a huge game, um, is available. He just declared first-round talent. Will Anderson – where do you go? Mm-hmm. There's there's no way that that a, a Will Anderson falls to twelve. I don't think at this juncture. No, Will Anderson's. You talk. There you go. You talk about. A well, top do you five. take Will Anderson at one then? Maybe you take Will Anderson at one. Trade down and or trade that twelfth pick up. Yeah, Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. Maybe like Bryce that. Young is not going to last out of the top five. Well, uh, if you've got that draft order in front of you, at least as it sits right now. Well, no, is so this is a projected – this is a projected – That's fine. Thing. I mean, yeah, that's, it's not going to be set in stone for, you know, another Couple week. Weeks. So. Yeah. yeah, so Houston is uh, currently number one. The Bears are number two. And and Chicago still has – They're not taking a quarterback. Yeah, they're, they're not going quarterback, but they could still end up with the number one overall pick, I think. But does Chicago go Will Anderson there? No, they need to go offensive line. They okay. have. I think no- that they should trade down and go all line. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then Chicago the- had been mentioned about a possible trade down candidate. Mm-hmm. So then yeah. that makes total yeah, sense. Um, Denver originally had the number three pick, but they, that pick was traded to Seattle. So Seattle's got the number three pick. Smart trade, really smart trade. Yeah. Okay. Man, does, does Seattle? So what does go Seattle off? do? Seattle doesn't need a quarterback. Do you need receivers? I, mean, I think got, well, Seattle, ah, Seattle, Seattle need a quarterback. Seattle does need a quarterback. Geno Smith is if you're Gino, so Gino, 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 Gino Smith is the new Nick Foles is the new Kirk Cousins is. You don't think Geno Smith is a long term guy? I don't think he's your franchise guy. He's At twenty very, years old, no, I don't. I think he's a very good athlete. Obviously, I think he's a good system guy in Pete Carroll's system. And I think that he can play the Russell Wilson system under Pete Carroll. He's he's proved that this year. But can but, you give him a two or a three year deal as like a stopgap until you find somebody that you're like dead set in love with as a quarterback? 
if there's somebody that they are dead set in love with at three, then I mean, at least projected at three right now, you know, let's call it top five, top six anyway, when it shakes out. Okay. Sure. I mean, I would be really interested to see what a Bryce Young could do under, under Pete Carroll. Yeah. Um, then number four is Arizona. They don't need a quarterback. Well, well, they, they're going to need one. They jumped ship on Josh Rosen pretty damn quick. And so you think Kyler Murray is going to say, get me out of here? Kyler Murray's injured. He's going to be, he's not going to play for a lot of next season. Yeah. He's, he's going to miss all, but maybe two, two, three, four weeks of, of next season. If that, and at that point, who knows if they're going to be playing for anything, you know, the way that the 49ers in Seattle are playing in that division, I don't think that Arizona is going to be playing for anything, you know, when it comes to mid to late December next year. So I don't see any reason why Kyler Murray steps on a football field next year um, outside of maybe just to kind of test his leg out. And I, the, the, the I, I issue, though, is he also hasn't kicked into his extension yet. So he actually has another mm-hmm. year left on his current deal before his major mega extension kicks in. So this is a very bad situation for the Cardinals because if they're going to, you know, jump ship, they're still going to be straddled with all that money um, for Kyler Murray. So, and, and that's that's what we didn't see with Josh Rosen. We we didn't get Josh well, Rosen. Well, that plus Josh Rosen, is, Josh Rosen is is our general, the next generation of Jay Cutler, just a lazy douchebag. I don't think Josh Rosen has been seen since the pandemic. Nor well, yeah, because you know you got to put out you had to put out an APB for him when he was in uniform, <laughs> anyways, and now you really have to now. Defensive lineman found him pretty easily. Well, of course, because he sucks. Safeties and corners found his balls pretty easily. I feel like we could say that it's it's when I when I when I upload the show, I have to check the explicit content check mark so we get that little e. So we could could say whatever the f we want, Ryan. Got it. Understood. Okay, number five, Indy. Number five, Indy. See that quarterback. They need everything. Um, Man, I think that's where CJ Stroud ends up. We'll get into yeah. Jeff fucking Saturday, I guess, later. He's already yeah, I, th- I thought Indy – so I thought um, Stroud was going to go to um, uh, number six, Detroit. That's that's kind of the hot rumor. If he's there, then Detroit's going to Right, if he's him. there, that's what I was thinking. And then Atlanta if, at number seven needs a, needs a quarterback too. Yeah. They're, you know, who yeah, I'm Lions are is quarterback be, um, from So Atlanta – this is what I've seen. This is what I'm calling it right now. Atlanta at seven is going to take the guy out of uh, Kentucky. Oh, uh, yeah. Levis? Levis? Levis, yes. That is every every single mock draft I've seen has him going uh, to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight, this is a very interesting one. Number eight is Vegas. Is Stidham your guy? No. No. Do you give you but, <laughs> but hold on, hold on. Do you give Stidham an opportunity for a year as a trial run? And then nope. the first sign of, of you know ass play, you get him out of there. Not if one of Young, Stroud, and Levis are available. And it's even a stretch that they'll be available then. Uh, they won't. They won't be because I really don't Atlanta, think that they will barring. Yeah, I mean if something comes out at the combine. And you find out that like CJ Stroud has tiny hands or something weird, 
then you know like then, well then maybe. we're gonna have to do we're gonna have to do a pod uh specifically on uh draft coverage once we have more concrete info we could do um, that yeah you know in like yeah so then this is where the qbs i think start falling because we don't know we, we don't have a list of all the qbs that are that have declared yet because dude guess who's at nine carolina mm-hmm. what does carolina do okay number 10 they need it's it all. New Orleans. Well, no, I'm sorry. Number 10, um, that New Orleans traded that pick to Philly. So what does Philly do? No, they're not taking a quarterback. Not with Jalen Hurts there. No. But here's where it gets interesting again. Number 11, Tennessee. Tannehill, is Tannehill still your guy? I mean, Tennessee's lost. I don't know. So what's Vrabel going to do there? Well, right? we should do, after the college football segment, we should do a whole NFL segment. No, you're right. You're right. I just uh, sometimes I get a little too caught up in the in the draft. Hey, stuff. The draft is very yeah. exciting. So I feel yeah. that. Yeah, but, that's fine. We we can move on. No, no, no. But like, just like, just to bring it back. Just going know. back, Bryce Young only only helped his case, and for me, he solidified, you know, being that that first quarterback off the board, and, and more yeah. often or more likely than not, number one overall. Well, anybody who knows what they're talking about, Bryce Young is going to go with first overall. I'm calling it right now. I, I think he should. The defenses that he's seen and, you know, the uh, the comparison here, he throws for 3,300 yards and change, 32 touchdowns this year. C.J. Stroud, 36-88, so almost 3,700 yards this year, 41 touchdowns and only six interceptions. So there's your comparison. Stroud is playing with house money with those receivers that he has. Uh, I think that Bryce Young has seen better defenses in the SEC, so it's still kind of a toss-up. But for me, looking at the total career, I think Bryce Young has done it in bigger situations more often than C.J. Stroud has. And for me, I would just feel more comfortable if I'm an NFL GM or head coach taking Bryce Young to be my signal caller at this point. Yeah, because you've had issues with C.J. Stroud in the deep ball, right? There was something that (laughs) – No, his deep ball is great. His deep ball is great, you know, when he's when when he has time and he's playing yeah. with a lead. He's the best quarterback that college football has seen and probably a decade. But when he's under pressure, uh, and when he has to throw on the run and mm-hmm. when he's outside the pocket, and especially on third down when right. it's a do or die play, or if it's in the fourth quarter, I'd I'd be really interested to see his QBR in the fourth quarter versus the rest of the game in losses. That's, yeah, I forgot which part of his game always made you nervous. That's the stat that I want to see because to me, just watching him, it seems like he kind of crumbles under pressure later and later in the game as things get a little more uncomfortable for him. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of Bryce Young last year. Mm-hmm. Bryce Young going into this year, that was a big question mark with him is performing in the second half and you know being coming, you know, getting those come from behind victories, and he just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he that was said, definitely a red flag. Mm-hmm. That's why going into this season, I if you would have told me he's probably going to be first overall pick next year, I would have laughed at you based on <laughs> you know, how he finished last season. I mean, there was talk of him entering the transfer portal last year. Mm-hmm. So um, I think he really proved himself this year. It looks very polished and NFL ready. So definitely looking at him one overall. Well, continuing yep. forward through the day, was that little beep like audible on the? No. Oh, it wasn't. Oh, okay, dang it! My computer just made a noise, and I'm not sure. No, you're good. This is like 
10 or 12 years old, so I'm never sure if it's going to explode. Or lamp. Or <laughs> what is going on? Seb, Seb just exploded. I love it. All right. I love it. We're going to plow through this fucking segment, boys. I don't care. I don't, this, this, yeah, that's what we're doing. Let's go. We're going to move on through the day. We're going to move past the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Alabama did Alabama things. They did it. My favorite game of the day, the verb, it's, it's, fuck that. It's still the formerly known as Tiesto, not Tiesto. That's, that's a Dutch team. It's the Tiesto. The Tiesto. Seriously, just say Tiesto. Oh my God. I told you, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to polish off these two bottles. Yeah, no more whiskey. Get out of my head. So, you know, Cheers, boys. Anyway, no more, no more Bowl. In the sorry, I'll uh, I will call it professionally. In the Verbo, that's vacation rental by owner, Fiesta Bowl. TCU in Michigan. I don't think anybody had this outcome. Um, maybe the outcome, you know, one possession game at the end, but TCU finishes the first quarter up fourteen to zero. Over this is why I wanted you to start. This is why I wanted you to end the segment talking about this game. Is because it gives you maximum time to make fun of Michigan. It does, and that's my favorite thing to do in life. I know. Is to absolutely make fun of and, and hey, embarrass. Do I have Michigan. your back? Or do I have your back? Do absolutely. I got your back? And I was, I was worried. the The only thing about this game is, I was worried about motivation for Ohio State when they look at this game and they see Michigan getting rolled, essentially for two and a half quarters, and then they say, "Okay, now." <laughs> That little carrot of a matchup of a rematch from the game for the Natty, that's taken out of it. But obviously, motivation was not a factor for Ohio State. That was good to see. That's a sign of good coaching. Uh, good coaching, that's a sign of a good meat sweat. We'll get into that in a minute. But TCU in this game, I mean, Max Duggan, for me right now, he's my favorite player in the country not wearing scarlet and gray because he put up just another – Gritty performance, 225 yards, throws for two touchdowns, does have a couple of interceptions, but that's just Max Duggan's game. He's gonna he's gonna try to force the issue. He's gonna extend the play. He's gonna try to make the impossible throws. But this is where we get into it again with him. Uh, we saw this against Baylor. We saw this against Kansas State. Um, even though that game resulted in a loss for TCU at the end of the season. Uh, 57 yards on the on the ground for Duggan and another two rushing touchdowns. So this dude, this guy is the most entertaining player in college football right now. Yep. No doubt. Yep. I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes in the draft. I don't know. I mean, he's he's interesting because like he's gonna be a guy that you want around your program. Um, you know. You want him on your roster. You want him. Um, I mean, he's he's a senior, uh, so he doesn't have, you know, I guess a ton of leverage. You know, maybe he's like a – I don't think he's a third-round guy. I think he's a four through seven, you know, day three kind of guy. Yeah, but you know what? That's where you get the most value. Well, if you're a team like the Colts, just picking them out of thin air because they're a shit show right now. Sorry, Jeff, fucking Saturday you are. Uh, if you're a team like the Colts – I think on end of maybe end of day two, but they're still going to be picking pretty high in the second, third round. So I'm going to say early on day three, if Duggan is sitting there, which honestly, after 
after his last few games, I don't know that he will be. I, I haven't seen any Max Duggan draft projections, and all of that will change. You know what? While you're talking after, about that, let me see if I can combines. find it. Yeah, see, see what, what you can find if there's any buzz at all. But I would say day three, if he's still sitting there, a team like the Colts with so much to do, and especially at the quarterback position, and let's say that they end up taking a quarterback in the first round at the, you know, near the top. Um, Duggan is a guy that you can bring in who will push that guy who is projected to be your starter. He will push him and get more out of him in training camp, in OTAs, in the preseason. And as long as the Colts handle it well, and as long as Duggan kind of knows, okay, like he's the guy, I'm just kind of mm. here you know, to win a backup job and to hang around, that could be a pretty healthy quarterback competition. And if you're first overall or not, you know, if you're number one pick, call it your first round or quarterback, if he's a guy that struggles a little bit or if he's a guy that gets injured or something happens, it creates an ugly situation with the fans because Max Duggan is going to end up as a fan favorite with whatever team he, he ends up on. It creates an ugly you know, situation for the fans and for the media. But I think in that locker room, Max Duggan is the guy that you need to really push a, a first-round quarterback to the next level. And he's a guy that will make everybody around him better just by being there in the past. Well, he's the leader, absolutely. Yeah. Of course. Exactly. Yeah. So, again, I, I don't – you know, he's he's only helped himself. He, he needs to clean up the interceptions a little bit. But just the way that he plays the game, it's like, yeah, like I want somebody like that on my team. Finishes the year with only six interceptions. So, I mean, it's not even like – uh, threw threw for more yardage and more touchdowns than Bryce Young. So, all right, and, boys, and he's six two. So there you go. All right, boys. I, so far, um, I've got Todd McShay's opening NFL mock draft only for the first round. Right. So got Bryce Young number one overall. Is is Duggan anywhere on that for the first round? I am. I'm looking. Uh, Jalen Carter, defensive tackle out of Georgia, to Seattle, number two. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. After I don't think it's going to happen. Either. Nope, no way. Um, so then uh, the Bears go in number three, looking at Will Anderson. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, does that make sense? Is Alex? Is, mm-hmm. is is Duggan anywhere on that? <clears throat> I'm looking. Hang on. Uh, quick side note: They have uh, projected C.J. Stroud to the Lions at four. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Duggan, 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 Duggan. Um, I don't see how he would be. For All sure. right. Sorry. Hold on, guys. I'm scrolling. Give me one sec here. No, you're fine. Listen, he has um, a heart condition, doesn't he? That kind of. D- Duggan? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, I haven't. This first I've heard of it. Uh, uh, it's called Wolf Parkinson White Syndrome. He overcame it and he still plays, but I wonder if that's something that might maybe push his. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Could, no no could, Duggan it, in the it, first it, round. Yeah. It could certainly be a concern, you know, when you're looking at medicals as as much as as medicals are scrutinized you know in this day and age you know right. I mean, we're seeing that with <laughs> <Carl's Korea. Korea>. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> who still is not signed still not signed um, um this this first round mock draft is fascinating well i mean everything looks really good in you know december and january right but, but um, uh, let's just see i mean yeah you know, there's one quarterback we haven't talked about yet, and that's uh, Anthony Richardson from Florida. Yeah, so, so here's be- so here's a fifth round projection on Duggan. Um, that makes sense. 
Well, yeah. you know what? No, I, I would have thought third or fourth. I, I think he'll be off the board by the fifth round for sure, just, you know, with what he can do. I think you legs. were right, dude. That's so valuable. No, I think you were right. I, I think he's going to be off the board in the third or fourth round. I think he's going to be a very early day three pick. Yes. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, your boy, Jackson Smith. Um, I don't know how to pronounce the last Jackson Smith. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. I don't know how to say it. Say it. See, see if you can get us canceled Jig, here. Jigba. I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry. I totally butchered that. Um, projected number 22 overall to the Titans. I don't know if he's still a first rounder after the knee injury. And he's going to be a combine guy. Yeah. You know, that's going to have to show a lot at the combine and show that he's healthy and show that he still has the explosiveness at the top of the route because that's really what was his differentiator. You brought up right. Anthony Richardson. Yep. I think he ends up with the Jets. You think they move on from Zach Wilson? They already said Absolutely. They're 100%. They're done with Somebody's Zach Somebody's going to want it. So, well, somebody, no. So right now he's projected to go to the Panthers out of 11. Oh, okay. That's, that's but again, Justin's right, possible. though. You can't, but Justin's right. You can't make heads or tails of anything draft or mock draft related in January. Sure. You know, that's all BS. Somebody so, is going to go to the combine and impress. And I hope that it's Max Duggan. But it's probably going to be a guy like Anthony Richardson. But, Will, but somebody also maybe Levis jumps up into that, you know, right. QB one one A conversation. Something's going to happen. Like we we saw it with Baker Mayfield, you know, in in his draft year. Nobody had yeah. a top five grade on him. They're thinking, oh, you know, maybe he's top fifteen, maybe he's top twenty, you know. And then all of a sudden, he ends up going. You know, he's first quarterback off the board. So well, and I think the draft is where Zach Wilson gets traded. Could be, yeah. I think it's where he gets – well, he's not going to get caught on draft day, but I think that's going to be the beginning of the end for Zach Wilson if they go quarterback in the first yeah. round. Somebody, somebody's going to trade him or somebody's going to trade for him because they're going to have a panic need at quarterback. Yeah, they'll give up like a sixth-round pick <laughs> or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. What do you uh, guys think of uh, – he's a junior and he's not going to be eligible for the draft this year. Uh, well, he he's gonna go back to Utah, but Cam Rising, he had that huge game in the in the Rose Bowl, or not the Rose Bowl, the the game before leading up Pac-12 to championship. Yes, the mm-hmm. Pac-12 championship, okay. and and in the Rose Bowl last year before he got hurt. Right before he yeah. got hurt. Um, what do you guys think about him? Because he looked really good in that game. I liked his charisma. I feel like he's an NFL quarterback, but maybe yeah. not the same talent level. More of like a, I don't know, your your field general type guys. Mm-hmm. He reminds me of. Like I a mean, Trent I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not a bad. Like a Vinny Testaverde or someone. Oh my who's god, there's a name I haven't you, heard but... in a decade. <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna wow you, but he's not gonna lose the game for you, right? Yeah, and he's he's gonna find a way, especially with you know NFL talent around him. So um, you're talking about the Utah quarterback? Yeah. yeah. He hasn't declared yet. Mm, so he's also could be a possibility. I no, think he'll go I'm, back to Utah. I, but. Well, I'm looking at the best available on ESPN.com for the draft, and I'm looking at all the quarterbacks. These are all guys that have declared. He's not on the list. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he he throws for a touch, touch over 3,000 yards this year, 3,034, 26 touchdowns, yeah. eight interceptions. Obviously, he's doing it with less talent around him than a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young may be. I'm talking strictly the eye test. What I saw strictly in the, field, the eye test, yeah. 
in that game. He well, looked really and, good. and you know what, guys? I don't know how <laughs> accurate this list is because it says Bo Nix on this list, and he's already going back for another year. So who knows what this right. list is? Oh. Yeah, things change. Exactly, but I mean that the 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 Tiesto Fiesto Bowl. <laughs> For me, that was the game of the day. That was one of the better bowl games that I think that we've seen. You had, you know, TCU, the 13 and a half point underdog. I'm not sure if they finished that way at kickoff, but that's what they opened as. And all of a sudden, they're up by two touchdowns at the end of the first quarter, and everyone's like, whoa, you know, holy shit. That is, that's college football at its finest. Um, Michigan roars back in the third and fourth quarter. You get a tremendous finish um, with TCU. Well, I think the tremendous finish was it targeting. Was it targeting? JJ, I don't think it was. That was targeting. JJ McCarthy's dad was targeting. And good for him. I don't think it was targeting. Well, did you see both of those hits? If if you have to have JJ McCarthy as a son, (laughs) live it up, bud. But yeah, those hits. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think either of them was targeting. Not from the wrangle that I saw. So. I thought it was damn close, but I don't think it was targeting. In the Fiesta Bowl, the hit on the Michigan receiver, could you make the argument that he was defensive? Or, sorry, defenseless. I don't I don't think that you can. He was engaged with another player. His back, like the only thing is that his back was turned to the defender and it was a blindside hit. And the way that the targeting rule reads is a defenseless receiver – it's pretty much an automatic if there's any contact to the head, neck, and they've added shoulder area, or if you lower your head and use the crown of the helmet on any part of the body. Which he did which he didn't do. Well, if he, I remember. He lowered his head, but there was no launch. And for me, why it's not targeting is because he lowered the head because the receiver was already engaged in right. being tackled. So he was right. already going to the ground. And if, you're, if your target is going to the ground, you have to lower your head in order to make contact. And at that point, I think he's going for the ball, too. I think he's trying to get that ball out. Yeah. You know, so that's, for me, that's why he's not targeting it. I didn't see a launch, <coughs> no direct contact to the, the head, neck, or shoulder area. Um, Everybody the, was the only thing targeting, that, and I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah. The only thing is, okay, did he lead with the crown of the helmet? Right. And I think what saved him is that his arms were extended on the play, even though the crown or the top of his helmet did initiate contact first. His arms were extended like he was trying to wrap up. So I don't think that there's enough there to leave targeting on. And the way that they've been calling targeting this year with some other plays that we've seen, um, we saw it later on in the day in the Peach Bowl as well. There was a controversial play there that maybe could have been targeting, wasn't called targeting. Either way, I, I think that you just pick it up at that point. It's not targeting. Uh, the way the TCU was playing, too, I, I don't think that there's any chance in hell that they lose that game regardless. Um, so that's that's my opinion. You know, I really can't stand fans uh, that use referees and individual calls as an excuse. And it's like, okay, if you yeah. think that you lost the game on a targeting call, don't give up fucking – 14 points in the first quarter to TCU, you know, exactly. Don't give up 20 points in the third quarter. There's, there's always a bigger reason. There's always bigger reason than a single individual call. And, and even just the referees, you know, as a whole. So I can't stand that shit for me. It's not targeting straight up. There's no controversy there. Yep. So 
Last game of the day, last game of the CFP, setting the stage for the national championship. Ohio State, Georgia. This is a matchup that Such everybody game. anticipated. I think, you know, from the preseason, everybody was looking at Georgia's defense, Ohio State's <laughs> offense. Uh, they were consistently top, you know, one, two, three in both of those categories, Ohio State on the offensive side, Georgia on the defensive side throughout the season. And this game, it may not have been what everybody thought with the number of points that were put up, but holy shit, what a football game. Like, So I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I was about 87 sheets to the win because this was New Year's Eve and I was about to head out for the night. I didn't see a single – I saw maybe five minutes of uh, uh, highlights, but – Dude, I'm so well, that's, pissed. That's the other game. thing, too. I mean, like, 8 o'clock Eastern start, and by the time that all the pregame bullshit's over, I mean, I think kick was actually after – I mean, it was definitely after 8.15. It was, yeah, I got yeah, here. I think it was, like, after 8. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe it was right around 8.15, I think, because you mm-hmm. showed up, like, a little after 5, and they had just kicked off. Yeah. Yeah, and didn't the game end at, like, 11.59 and 59 seconds or some shit like that? No, it didn't end. Noah Ruggles literally sh- – Hooked, hooked the fucking field goal to win it at midnight. The ball was in the air going wide left as the ball dropped. I mean, dude, like, I have seen some shanks in college football, but that good. Was so that was so bad. That was so bad. Take like, it from an I mean, Alabama fan. What a, a Will Riker, <laughs> a Will Riker yeah. kick was, uh, you know, looked better than that. Alex what has seen all the harsh kickers over the years. Uh. So the only thing worse than I than that kick was the Falcons trolling this kid afterwards. Did you yeah, guys read about bad. this? I did. Yeah, I mean, you you don't troll a no. Uh, that well, was such a jackass thing. Maybe to do. You, I, maybe I don't know, maybe man. You don't do it public. You don't do it as publicly no. as they did it. Yeah, you have a broken-hearted kid who just lost the game for his team, and then you're gonna fucking break his balls in the heat of the moment, really. That is a classless fucking move. I don't care. And it's like and the Falcons don't even really have any skin in the game. It's not like. Well, no. And I'll tell you something else. Maybe with the, if the like Falcons actually. Good for you. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, maybe the Falcons ought to think about, you know, not blowing a 35 point lead in the Super Bowl. How about that? Yeah. Got well, it. anything to deflect from that. <laughs> maybe that was their right? motivation. You know, I mean, the Falcons are one to talk about, you know, blowing it in the big moments, right? You fucking lost the Super Bowl to Tom Brady when he was down by touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if we went back far enough, we'd find Morton Anderson missing a big kick for the Atlanta Falcons in like the 90s or something that we could easily... Yeah, I don't want to talk about the Falcons. Dude, the Falcons in the 90s were garbage. Well, dude, didn't didn't didn't, uh, didn't Young Way Koo, Koo just blow one for them like this weekend? Exactly. Uh, he, yeah. so, he, he, he just, I'm pretty sure he just shorted one. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, fuck, you, fuck you, Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Eat shit, Falcons. You're dog yeah. shit. You're yeah, dog shit. The, no one cares. Bitch. Not only that. <laughs> not only that. You get relegated but, to the XFL. Well, not only that, but Marcus Mariota just peaced out on the team with two weeks to go because he lost his job and he's having a hissy fit temper tantrum. <laughs> so you know. I mean, that, that Derek Carr, same situation. That team is a dumpster fire and a half. Well, the Raiders, the Raiders. They are. But, dude, so, all right, C.J. Stroud's draft stock, he only helped himself with this game. We touched on that. Well, he was never in doubt of being a first-rounder, right? Oh, no, never. He was never in doubt of being a top 10, 15 guy, you know, and yeah. and, and after this game, he's solidly a top five guy. Yeah. Um, 
But what about Stetson Bennett's draft stock? Walk on. I mean, does he have any? I don't think he has any. No. I'm just throwing it out there hyperbole, but I mean, if he puts up 398 yards, three touchdowns against the Ohio State Buckeyes. If Stetson Bennett ends up in the NFL, he will end up in the NFL a la Greg McElroy as a sixth round pick clipboard holder for the Jets or, you know, the, oh, no, no, he's going to go the Justin Palmer route, and he's going to be with the Commanders, and then he's going to, you know, go on The Bachelor afterwards. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's kind of where we're – I mean, he was at, what, Chick-fil-A last year? After yeah, he was – He was after yeah, winning the championship. Slinging so. tendies. You're going to go from and Chick-fil-A chicken to – yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, anyway, listen. I, I, don't see that's that's a, I don't see that in the NFL. He threw, well, for, somebody, he threw you know for 3,800 yards this year. Somebody – okay. Okay, every single draft that we watch every year, somebody does something stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Like like Denver taking Tebow in the is first this, round. Is, is this yeah. the Tebow this pick? Is the, this, this is, is the Tim Tebow this pick. Is the this Tebow is reaching pick. for Bennett at pick 25. So, um, he, this is the Tim Tebow pick. Just watch. Could be. Yeah. Okay. He out threw CJ Stroud with lesser receivers. Out threw Bryce Young by over 500 yards. Out threw Cam Rising. Out through Max Duggan, all the guys that we're talking about, let alone all the all the first round guys, you know. But you know what, guys? Every so there's always a group of quarterbacks that are studs in college and that shit the bed in the NFL. Yeah. Danny Werfel was mm-hmm. a fucking stud at Florida, and then he crapped himself with the Saints. Okay, mm-hmm. and then you have uh, Tebow, and I guarantee you, Stetson Bennett's going to be one of them. Cade McNown, UCLA to the Bears. Well, Sets, he's a Bennett, Bennett out through Will Levis by fourteen hundred yards. Right, but you know what? Uh, Georgia, Georgia's defense kept them in those games. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, one hundred percent. I don't, I don't have kept him in the game. Kept him in the game. But I mean, throwing for thirty eight hundred yards in the SEC. I don't care who you are. I don't care. I don't care if you're Joe Montana. Okay, first That's of all, impressive. you're not from Alabama. Stop talking like you're from Alabama. And thank okay. God. Thank God. So, I've never – I don't think I've ever set foot in that state. Stetson Bennett, uh, yeah. I don't have any belief in him whatsoever. You I can think, be I think a legendary NCAA quarterback and just be utter trash in the NFL. He, he just doesn't look like a guy who's going to make that next step. No, he's, no, he's not going to. He's going to yeah. be a clipboard guy like you said, Alex. He's going to be a clipboard guy. I think so. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And then you have other no-namers. Like, I mean, Spencer Rattler, there's another clipboard guy. See, I like Spencer Rattler. <laughs> See, I, but, but, okay, so here's the thing. If Spencer Rattler was going to – I don't even know. Has he declared? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, so, as of two days ago, not yet, no. Spencer Rattler – I mean, if Spencer Rattler was a serious contender for a draft pick in the NFL, we would have heard hype about him. Yeah. Okay. I mostly just love him him. for the amount of cigars he's smoked the last four weeks. Just slaying these. these I mean, he's he's another guy like Max Duggan, like interesting skill set, all the heart in the world, you know, can, can go win a game for you. Won't lose the game for you. Right. I think he's another 
like skill set and athletic ability, maybe he's a day two guy if he declares. I don't know if he has or has. I think Bo Nix has a chance to go higher than Spencer Rattler. Depends. I don't like Pac-12 quarterbacks, but the last one that came out of Oregon did pretty damn good so far. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean Bo Nix. Oh yeah, oh yeah, some guy named Justin Herbert for the Bolts, baby. Bolts, baby. <laughs> Bolt fam. Bolt up. Yeah. So you know, listen, I, at Bo Nix. I mean, I think. Of course, I also, you know, Bonix is my guy when, when he, you know, was with Auburn. And then, you know, Brian Harson drove him out of town. Fucking asshole. Well, if but, if he's drafted, he'll get a signing bonus. 100% he'll be a day three guy. Or if, he's not, day four guy. if he's not drafted, I can see a team ending up signing Bo Nix. As an undrafted free agent? Yeah, I mean, why not? You guys didn't see what I did there, really? No. If he gets drafted, he gets a signing bonus. If he goes undrafted, I can see a team signing Bo Nix. Ah, oh, nice. He's, oh my God. You yeah. Know what Justin has a way with words, everybody. Alex is clapping for uh, me. Alex, Alex, Justin Alex, clapping. are you? He's not Alex, I'm, since I'm you. That was me clapping uh, for myself. Hey, Alex, uh, since you uh, work for Justin, are you contractually obligated to laugh at his jokes? I do not work for Justin. We work with each other. We work in tandem with one another and Tyler Hughes. Uh, First of all, nobody that, works. Yeah, we, we're just there. Yeah. Second of all, so you're not obligated to laugh at his jokes. Second of all, exactly. I didn't even think the the Bo Nix bonus thing was funny. And I did certainly didn't clap for it. So it was fun. It was hilarious. First of all. Second of all, <laughs> the Tiesto Fiesta Bowl. That was a good one. And that wasn't intentional. So there you go. You're a real fucking comedian. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> so now that we're, you know, now, well, now, now that football sucks again, now that segment one's over. Yeah. Well, now football sucks because Ohio State lost. Yeah. And I mean, well, we're, we're all rooting for two for TCU, right? That's kind of what we're getting at is I think the whole country's rooting for TCU outside of Georgia. I'm absolutely going for TCU. I'm done with Georgia. That's going to be an entertaining fucking game, though. On Monday night, Doug and Ben. Yeah, TC is. I think TCU's coach is just the kind of you know uh, smooth, not not a not smooth talker, but just kind of like a, and not like a douchebag, but kind of like a cocky. Like, all right, we're gonna fuck you up, then back it up. Sonny Dykes. Yeah. Sonny Dykes. I mean, he he would get hurt eating ice cream. That dude is soft. Kirby Kirby Smart would knock that dude out in a fight. Okay. He take you know, he's Sonny Dykes is very fiery on the sidelines, but he's like he's like the bigger Mayfield of head coaches. He's fiery like a guy in the <laughs> DOD lobby. Like he's kind of for me, he's all talk, but he's got and I'm just going off of off of his years at Cal. Um unfortunately I watched a lot of Cal football when he was there. I don't know why it was a dark time, but he just he was never able to do it with Cal, and he had some talented players come through there at the time. And he had a softer, well, maybe not a softer conference than the Big Twelve, but no, no, he did. He had a softer conference at the time in the Pac twelve than current day Big Twelve, and and he he just wasn't able to get it done. I've never been impressed with him as a head coach, but it'll be interesting to see next year what Sonny Dykes does, assuming that Max Duggan is gone, because of, yeah, he. He will be, but one way or another, I think. Well, let's just hope that Sonny Dykes gets a good uh, hashtag meat sweat going on. He's going to have to. He's going to have to. 
Kirby Smart is a pretty good meat sweat guy. He's got the visor, so sometimes it's hard to tell. But I don't think that that game is going to come down to meat sweats. It's going to come down to Max Duggan against Stetson Bennett, who are both guys that are not not first-rounders. Speaking of meat sweats, is it all over for Ryan Day? I mean, he's missed some key marks here. That's a good question. That's a good question. So for me – I am hugely negative. People can't stand to be around me because I only focus on the negatives. That is factual. Negatives for me. Oh, I love negatives. He has failed three of three goals the last two years. Get him out. Don't do that at Ohio State. And did he have a vegan sweat going on the day of the Georgia game? We'll see. For the Georgia game, I thought he actually had a pretty good meet. Yeah, we he thought was rocking, pulled pork. Pull pork is what we pulled thought. Pulled pork at halftime for sure. He was rocking the short sleeves throughout, and he was still maintaining you know, his – his complexion, so yeah. Well, that field, even in that stadium, dude, it gets fucking hot down there. Exactly. So it was good. I was happy with the meat sweat that he brought. I'm really not disappointed with Ohio State's performance. I was happy with the offense. I was happy with the play calling. I was happy with the defense until the fourth quarter. But I put that more on just Georgia finally figuring something out and less on Ohio State collapsing. I I think that Georgia won that game. Ohio State didn't lose that game. Taking the kick and everything out of it, um, <clears throat> taking even the targeting on Marvin Harrison, which I thought was targeting. You have a defensive. Uh, I'm just going to tangent this really quick. You have a defenseless receiver on that play. Um, you have a blow to the head and neck area. So uh, that's the one that I did not see a clip of. So I cannot speak to that. Find one. it right now. It's it's all over the place. But I mean. Yeah, he got smoked. He right? got absolutely smoked, and he ended up with a concussion, and that's the exact type of hit that you're trying to take out of the mm-hmm. game. And then they That's what call. targeting is. Yeah, we couldn't believe that. We were watching this game live and couldn't believe that. But still, I mean, it doesn't come down to one call. It doesn't come down to a review or an official. It comes down to the, the total, you know, the game as a whole. And at the end of the day, Ohio State, they were outscored by 15 points in the fourth quarter. There's your ball game. I was so, okay, like, as I'm watching it right now. Because yeah. he had a huge game. You know, he makes that catch. That's a third touchdown. And then he mm-hmm. gets hit in the head. Oh, and, damn. you know, it's a total game changer. Total yeah, game absolutely. changer. That was their weapon. Uh, and when when you have a player like Marvin Harrison Jr., the best wide receiver in the country, I don't care what the award says, the best wide receiver in the country, and he goes out on a hit like that, that changes the flow of the game. So, you know, that was a big momentum shift for sure. Like, I never want to say that it's good to go out and, like, target a guy and look to injure a guy. I don't think that that was the intent no. at all on that play. But no, he's trying to bring I thought that that Georgia that defender, you have to give him credit because exactly. He's trying to bring Oh, shit. Okay, I can see why they called it. Oh, did you see it, Ryan? Yeah, I'm watching it right now. I, well, actually, hold on. So they said that he didn't lead with the crown of the helmet. And no, I see. And that's, that's why it was from an angle. And, it, and I saw it from an angle that makes it look like he got him with the shoulder. Yeah, the reverse angle makes it look like the shoulder. There's another angle that looks like like the shoulder and the helmet hit simultaneously. And it's there's a lot of confusion there. But for me, it's defenseless. It's a head to the a, a, a hit to the head and neck area. Whether you're leading with with you know the helmet or not, those two things yeah. 
it should have been targeting because of well, that. Well, I don't think he was leading with the crown of the helmet, but if you want to argue defenseless, it doesn't. Receiver, I'll, I'll yes. definitely give you that one. If it's a defenseless player, it doesn't have to be the crown of the helmet. Right. So, That's what I'm saying. I'll, yeah. I'll give you that one. If you want to argue solely defenseless receiver, I'll definitely mm -hmm. give you that one. And then we saw it again. We saw it again in the Cotton Bowl with Tulane and USC. There was a late call in that game that looked a hell of a lot like targeting. Uh, that that was a helmet to helmet, and that was going to go against USC in the red zone. That was going to put the ball on, I think, like the two or three yard line, and that targeting was was taken off. Um, and the reasoning for that was that the USC player hit with the top of his helmet and not the crown of his helmet. So what the fuck are we talking about here? If you can hit with certain parts of the helmet, but not yeah. others, it's like, if you get dropped on your head, it doesn't matter if you get dropped on the crown of your head or the top of your head or the back of your head, you're going to end up with a pretty serious concussion. If not a, a, a neck injury on top of it, I mean, I mean that's the type right of hit now, they were trying to take out of the game. So who cares what so part of the head you hit with? Exactly. That's, that's what, well, maybe there is, maybe there isn't because we saw three calls over two days that could have been called targeting. And in all three scenarios, they were taken off. So maybe there is consistency, but if there's consistency, fine, but there's certainly not player safety being taken into consideration. Yeah, I got you. So anyway, that's, that's what happened. That's, you know, now we're set up TCU in Georgia. I think it's a fantastic outcome for the CFP. I think that you have a case heading into 2024 where you can say, yes, you know, we can expand this to 12 teams and we can really see, you know, who the best of the best is. If we expand it to 12, USC is in, Utah's in, Penn State's in, uh, you know, this is just looking at this year, Kansas State is in. Um, you've got, you know, some really incredible things that are going to happen over the next two years in college football. And I think that this is about the best outcome that you can have with Georgia, the clear cut, undefeated number one. <laughs> out of the best conference, you know, pretty much I'd say right now in, in all of college football against a scrappy TCU team that uh, ends up as the number three seed only because everybody else suffered, you know, um, a bigger loss at the end of the year. And both quarterbacks, not really, you know, heralded guys, certainly not five stars, highly re recruited coming into their programs. And all of a sudden they're playing for a ship. I think this is fantastic. And uh, I think that the whole country is going to be rooting for Max Duggan and the uh, Horn Frogs. Yeah, you know, definitely going to get into some NFL chat. Um, Ryan, I know that uh, that you got to bounce. Uh, so yeah, after guys. This, after this tremendously you, long first segment with a lot of bowl games to talk about, uh, we'll let you hop off here. Um, Boys, I know that much appreciated. That was uh, some damn good uh, college football chat. And, uh, buddy, I'm sorry about the Bucks. I was pulling hard for them. Hey, shit, shit happens. That's why we play the games. Um, yeah. Next week, we yeah, got Ryan. Who you got on next? Yeah, so we're, we're still finalizing the details. Uh, but I got two friends of mine, uh, for here from Orlando, uh, uh, Brittany and Chelsea, uh, from the Boozy Mouse podcast. Um, they uh, have graciously agreed to do a podcast exchange with us. I'm gonna be working on cementing that, uh, for us next week. And, um, we will uh, keep everybody updated via social media to see about uh, ironing out those details. We're gonna uh, go on their show. Um, after they come on our show, um, they're gonna talk about drinking and sports with us, and we're gonna talk about drinking with them. I mean, is it getting any right. better than that, gentlemen? Cool. That's perfect. So it's like, it's just a podcast that just what, talks about just day drinking around Basically Disney talks about day drinking and food at Disney. Fuck it, I, wow. mean, I mean, very similar, very similar 
to attending a live sporting event where you wait line forever. There's a lot of security checks. Um, sometimes or if you're, you're at the you're, Austin Grand Prix, it takes 40 minutes to get a vodka cream. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's a lot of crossover there, I think. And we'll I have see, some fun. There you go. We'll, there you go. We'll, we'll and, definitely get some um, drinks going for it. Well, they're both, uh, they're both Michigan fans. So Justin, behave yourself. Well, so we can both be disappointed and we'll yep. have, we'll, we'll, We'll have the results of the national championship game to talk about. There you go. Um, we'll have week week eighteen in the NFL to talk about. So yeah, that that'll be uh, actually a fun show, gentlemen. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, until next time, I will see you all later. All right, yeah, goodbye. Thanks, Try not to pass. Uh, well, no, no promises. See ya. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So, man, Alex. Yeah. Well, pop number three for Alex. Yeah. yeah you guys are really funny today. You're I killing me over here. I don't know here. if we are. I don't know if we are. I think oh. you're just. You, You've got a claw in hand. Yeah. Alcohol does make things funny. That's true. It makes it, makes it well, unless it's college football. Like Saturday. All two of our listeners are not laughing because they're not unless, drunk enough. Yeah, unless it's Noah Ruggles missing it. <sighs> Can we? That was like uh, the worst kick the I've in a ever time seen. Zone. So bad. And for those of you listening, I was here watching this game with Justin and – Justin, you know, had his hand on his Ohio State this. on his Ohio State football, as he does in clutch Ohio State moments. And he just, as soon as the kick went off, you knew it was garbage. And Justin just hits the floor, and I don't think he moved or made a noise or a sound or anything for several minutes. It was it was quite the spectacle because like. I've seen some bad kicks as an Alabama fan. We touched on this before. I got a little mad. Turn off the game. That's it. Justin just died. He just, I just straight up decided. Just, he's like, that's it. I'm yeah, done. It's, it's nap time now. You yeah. I've been up since you know early in the morning getting ready for the Sugar Bowl. And on the West Coast, you know, 9 a.m. kicks. And it was like, okay, now like this game is over. In. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't need to see like I don't, I, I don't need to see this football land. Because it doesn't matter where it lands, because it's not going to be through the uprights. Yeah. So I just said, I'm just going to take a nap right here. This is. This it was is impressive. The the your eyes were on the screen as soon as the ball kicked. It was just like you're on the ground because you knew. Sometimes you just yeah. know. You just know. I had a feeling he was going to shank that shit. Yeah. Right. You know. But regardless, <sighs> very good game. Everybody, uh, you know, gave their best and showed their best. I hope like, everybody had fun. We, we saw, you know, it's Fiesta Festival. <laughs> That's what it's going to be forever now. Sorry, so, Toasty. That's college football was dope. Let's talk about NFL, man. Week seventeen, huge week, huge week. Yeah, huge week. I mean, was it? <laughs> no, it was playoff implications all around. You know, um, as it stands. Right now, well, let's kind of talk about the games because I don't want to get too let's, far ahead of myself. As a Packers talk, fan, this was a huge week. That's true. It was. That was pretty damn cool to see. So, should we just do you just want to jump right in with Packers, or do you want no, to go no, chronologically, or do you just want well, to break it down? No, let's 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 go from the top. Let's let's do this. Real quick. All right. So, Tennessee Titans, sixth loss in a row. I am. I feel bad. I like make Mike Vrabel. He's an Ohio State guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel bad for this guy. It's not like he's a bad coach. No, they don't it's not have, like he's a bad coach. They don't have the personnel to be a success in the NFL right now. 
everywhere. Like their defense is terrible. There's no, there's no one. I'm looking at who they had on defense this past week against Dallas. And are there any first rounders on this list? I don't think they are. So you're looking at a team that is starting from scratch as far as talent goes, other than, you know, our guy, Derek Henry and Traylon Burks, their first round receiver. They don't have a quarterback. It's Tannehill's done. You know, they, they, they're trying to see what they have with Josh Dobbs. But I don't know. I don't like who, Tennessee. Who looked good at he times. Did. He did look good. But I, I mean, he he still made some plays. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you can't make that throw. But he looked good at times. Like, he was – he again, like going back, he was entertaining. He played an entertaining brand of football. And that's that matters more in the eyes of fans. You can get away with some bad throws and some bad decisions and, you know, bad plays here and there if fans are looking at it through rose colored glasses and at least being like that guy's entertaining. Like I would rather watch Josh Dobbs just throw it up at the sideline, maybe get picked, maybe he doesn't, or maybe he tries to scramble and he gets lit up and he's short and maybe he gets first down. I would rather watch that brand of football than watch like Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo just stand back there and hit little like three to four yard, you know, passes to the sideline or slants or screen plays or whatever it is. Correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't they like on a projection to be a decent team this year? Yes. Like they were seven and nine. They're seven and nine. They're they're they were a playoff team. Yeah. They were going to be a playoff team again. Like this is this is the most winnable division in all of football, and it's not even close. And I'm yeah, they should have easily they should have walked all over this division with maybe the exception of the Jaguars and the talent that they have on offense just because of where they drafted the mm-hmm. last few years. But uh, hello, see, Lamp. Lamp agrees. The Colts were, what, a game out mm-hmm. of a playoff spot last year? So you probably expected more from them, but it was pretty clear the way that their season was going from you know the first three, four, five weeks. So I think that you take them out of the equation. The Titans should have walked away with this, with this division. And I mean – Looking at their schedule right now and their losses, they lose to the Giants week one. That was super surprising. Like, I, I watched that game live, and watching it was like, holy shit. Like, the Giants just beat the Titans. The Titans were a playoff team. That was huge. That was a huge win. Brian Dable's first win for mm-hmm. the Giants. Everybody mm-hmm. was like, oh, my God, that was insane. And now – if you play that matchup week 17, week eight, you're like, of course the Giants win that game. And I'm sure that they win it by a hell of a lot more than one point, the way that they've been playing. Lost to the Bills, of course. Then they go on a little bit of a run. Lost to the Chiefs, you know, by a field goal. Okay, you you beat the Broncos. You beat the Packers at Lambeau. That's a good win. But you lose to the Bengals, of course. That was right when the Bengals were starting to get hot, too. Mm-hmm. Like, so... Of course, that's going to be a loss. In in hindsight, Eagles, of course, that's going to be a loss. Because I think, were the Eagles still undefeated at that point? I think they were. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So then, see, this is where it kind of goes off the rails because you lose to the Jaguars. They had to have that that game coming off of a, a two-week losing streak. You have to have that divisional game against the Jaguars because that was kind of right when the Jaguars were starting to get hot. So you have to go – that's that's a home game for Tennessee. You have to curb stop the Jacksonville Jaguars in that game and really put your stamp on the division. And if they do that, who knows what what momentum they take in 
against the Chargers. Should have beaten the Texans. Um, I thought that the way that Dallas was playing and, and Dallas was banged up in that game, that was a winnable game for Tennessee. And now, of course, they're going to wrap up the season week 18 uh, at Jacksonville, which the way that both of these two teams are, are, are playing, Jacksonville has won their last four. Tennessee has lost their last six. Yeah. And Jacksonville's finally starting to develop, you know, those players that they've taken in the last few years in the mm-hmm. first round. Doug Peterson's a genius. Mm-hmm. Absolute genius. Former Favre backup. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So so where do the Titans go from here then? Titans, Titans need they need a quarterback. They need a quarterback and maybe not even a like a franchise guy. They just need a quarterback, a serviceable, serviceable guy that fans and the offense can get excited about, and somebody where you can see some upside with. Because there's there's no upside with with Tannehill. I was gonna say, I guess the better question is where did it go wrong with Tannehill? Because for the longest time, that was the only thing they needed was him to be that that field just manager that and kind of that. average kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Well, so. he's he's done that, and. There's there's tape on him, and it's kind of to a point where he's just figured out. He's he's figured out, and if he's not, if he's not winning football games week in and week out, or at least if he's not losing football games week in and week out, then you can say, oh, okay, well, you know, whatever. He's not the best. It's kind of a, a similar situation where you've got in San Francisco right now. Jimmy Garoppolo, when he first signed the extension, it was like, oh, we got our guy. Pretty quickly after that, within the same season, it was like. Ooh, maybe he's not our guy, yeah. and that was a bad extension to sign. But he was serviceable. He was serviceable enough to come back, get another contract with San Francisco. Fans weren't really excited. I don't think Kyle Shanahan was very excited. But maybe you miss on Trey Lance. Kind of jury's still out on that. And it's a good thing they made that deal too, or else you don't it have is. a quarterback for this They're year. not a playoff team if they don't make that deal. Or yeah. maybe they are with Brock Purdy. But, you know, well, certainly <laughs> can't Purdy count on that. looking outstanding. Yeah, you certainly can't count on that. But it's a similar, like – just a non-exciting guy that distributes the football. Difference being, I think San Francisco has more talent on the offensive side, certainly Absolutely. after acquiring Christian McCaffrey and what Debo Samuels turned into, uh, Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. You can't say the same with Tennessee outside of Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry is just going to run through a brick wall. He's not going to you know, run downfield and you know, catch a 10 or 12-yard uh, pass over the middle or anything like that. Um but I don't know if Tennessee needs to start rebuilding with a quarterback. I think that I think that they need to stick to their identity, and that's always been winning games with defense and a strong running game. So I think, for me, you look at the offensive line first, you look at the defensive line probably first over the offensive line, and I think that you really have to get some corners and some safeties to match up with the talent that Jacksonville is amassing. So, yeah, makes sense. Um but yeah, you know, just m- moving on. I don't want to touch on all these games because some of them they don't they didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, and the ones that did matter really mattered. Um, I, I mean, you you brought it up, and I want to jump right into it, and that's Packers over the Vikings. So I'm going to say Sunday morning. I wake up. I'm not feeling great. No one's feeling good. And hung over as shit. Fire up the TV. Yeah. You know, we're watching the early games, halftime of the early games. They talk about what's coming up. They mention Packers and Vikings. They talk about what's on the line. Packers, you know, everything ended up falling the way that they needed to fall up. But this is a must win 
for the Packers to still keep their playoff hopes alive at this point. And I said, you know what? The Packers are going to win that game against Minnesota. I think it was a trap game for Minnesota coming in. Minnesota, they're still playing for the number one seed overall. They've already clinched the division. It just kind of had that trap game feel. And, you know, with, with Aaron Rodgers, who I think was ready to quit the sport four or five weeks ago, he looks reinvigorated. And all of a sudden, that offense, I mean, they, they put up 41 points. Um, Minnesota barely squeaked by Jeff fucking Saturday in the Indianapolis Colts. And I think that you kind of saw it there that Minnesota was okay with coasting to the finish. You can do that against the Colts and then come back. You can't have a performance like that playing from behind, uh, you know, more often than not. And 14 to three at the end of the first quarter, the Packers came out of the gate hot. 13 points put up by Green Bay in the second quarter. So at halftime, you're looking at a game 27 to three. That's pretty damn demoralizing. The Vikings, sure, you can come back from a score like that against Indianapolis. You're not going to do it against the Green Bay Packers. I think the biggest story there going into the game is Jair Alexander versus Justin Jefferson. Mm -hmm. You know, Justin Jefferson is one of, if not the best, the receiver, the wide receiver in the league. However, corners are starting to figure him out. He has more duds this year than he's had in, in the last two seasons. And that is kind of a, an issue as far as Minnesota's offense goes. And we saw that in this game. Uh, Jair Alexander played very well against uh, Justin Jefferson. Uh, I believe Jefferson only had, yeah, he only had one reception for 15 yards. Mm -hmm. So it played him very well that game. <coughs> Rodgers wasn't even much of a factor in this one. It was all Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Jones, 111 yards carrying. Uh, didn't have any touchdowns, but just just putting setting them up um, in good positions to you know move the ball down the field and continue getting first downs um that was huge to see because Aaron Jones has been hurt the last couple of weeks so they're going to really depend on him to keep moving forward in a positive direction uh, as we go next week to the Lions I mean winning this game is huge obviously Packers go to eight and eight and keeps their playoff hopes alive but they're playing a Lions team next week that they lost against. Uh, I believe it was November 6th. Yeah, 15 to 9. Very weak ass performance by the Packers in that one. They have everything to play for now. Lions also do too. Um, they're actually on the bubble um, the way this works. Packers have to beat the Vikings. Lions have to beat the Bears. And the Seahawks have to lose in order for the Packers to make it <laughs> on the bubble. So. I thought that the Packers were winning in, and that's why they stuck that game. I'm sorry. If the Packers, if they beat the Lions next week, they're in. They're in. You're right. Yeah, okay, okay. The Lions, if they win, Packers are eliminated and Seahawks are in. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. okay. So Yeah, no, that's, that's so, exactly what it is. And, I mean, all, all of a sudden, like, Green Bay is playing for something, and they're doing it all over the football field. Like you said, they're not just doing it with Aaron Rodgers. They're, they're doing it with Aaron Jones. And Packers, historically, they don't have a very strong rushing game because they don't have to. And not only that, but you get two defensive touchdowns. You get Darnell Savage, 75-yard pick six. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon, 105-yard kick return. Yeah. Plays like that are demoralizing. 
Kirk Absolutely Cousins demoralizing. Yeah, Kirk Cousins was utter ass in this game. 18 mm-hmm. for 31, 205 yards and three picks. QBR of 10. Yeah. <laughs> um that's just not going to get it done. So ultimately like, you know, Kirk Cousins usually plays very well against the Packers. So I was surprised by that one, but you know, 41 to 17, love the offensive output in the Packers by the Packers in this one cuz Next week, it's it's all on the table. They got to beat the Lions, or this season is is over for them. <coughs> well, yeah, they've they've shown that you know that they can play this type of football when they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, Lions coming off of a win as well um, against the Bears, uh, forty-one for forty-one point performance for the Lions as well. Um, not that the Bears are anything special, you know, three and thirteen. Um, they're looking at you know, maybe even a number one overall pick at this point. But um, Here's Lions, the- Lions have some momentum coming in, but I think that the Packers just have so much more talent at this point. Here's the, the thing they're really going to have to watch for. Jamal Williams is a former Packer. He signed with the Lions because the Packers would not – they didn't offer him a contract. They decided they were going to go move forward with Aaron Jones, who I believe they drafted in like the fourth or fifth round, and and that was the end of that. Jamal Williams took huge offense to it, signed a big deal with the Lions, and every game he's played against the Packers since, he's been very good. So last week against the Bears, 22 carries, 144 yards, and a touchdown, 6.5 yards per clip. DeAndre Swift, 7.1 yards per clip on 11 carries. The the rushing game is going to be the thing that the Packers need to stop in this one if they're going to win because historically this season the Packers cannot stop the run everybody runs all over them and Jamal Williams with that chip on his shoulder and how well he's been performing in front of DeAndre Swift remember he should have been the backup to to DeAndre Swift Mm -hmm. Um, he has he's supplanted Swift in that role so um, that's the thing I worry about the most going into this uh the, the running game against the Packers. Um, I think they can they can stop Jared Goff and, and St. Brown and Chark and all those guys, but Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, that tandem at running back, I worry about that for the Packers, and it could be a, a very high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. It could be. It could be a defensive struggle. I say that because – I look at the Lions' first rounder, Aiden Hutchinson. Three interceptions now on the season. The interception that he had in this game, he's dropping back into coverage. The Lions are only rushing three on this particular play, and even like pre-snap, Aiden Hutchinson is way out there on the perimeter, and he's just sitting down right in front of the first down marker, uh, going to halftime here. So I mean, it was it was kind of garbage time, but you you're either looking for you know, fields to just huck it into the end zone and look for a Hail Mary with seven seconds to go, or you're looking for something underneath and Hutchinson is taking away that underneath option. I don't think Justin Fields had any idea that he was going to be there and he steps up and makes an athletic play and makes an interception to, to end the first half. Um, but three interceptions on the season for a defensive lineman as a rookie. And he's also got seven and a half sacks to go along with that. You're getting into historic territory like Lawrence Taylor territory when you start talking about 
a defensive lineman that has that athletic ability to drop into coverage and make an interception. And maybe this one of this game wasn't the most impressive thing, but still, I mean, there's there's not very many defensive linemen. It doesn't matter where you put them on the field. They can make a play like that. So to me, Aiden Hutchinson is going to have to really step up. I'm excited to see what he can do um, against, you know, this version of the Packers that are all of a sudden playing with a chip on their shoulder. Um, so that's going to be a matchup, you know, that I think to watch as well. Hutchinson against the rushing game uh, and Hutchinson getting into the backfield against Aaron Rodgers. The Lions took him for reasons like this, you know, and Aiden Hutchinson was built for the NFL. He's proved it his rookie year so far. So um, I totally agree with that assessment. And he's definitely going to be one that Aaron Rodgers is going to have to watch out for. I mean, I <coughs> seven and a half sacks this year as, mm-hmm. as a rookie. So that's pretty, uh, that's pretty good. Um, all things considered, you know, he's no JJ Watt or whatever, but shit, I mean, seven and a half sacks on a team like that, I'll take it. Well, before we get into the game of the day, and you know why I think it's the game of the day, um, I want to touch on the Sunday night game. Pretty epic reason why. Pretty epic reason why. Um, I want to mention the Steelers game, Sunday night football, Steelers and Ravens. I thought. No problem. The Ravens are going to walk all over the Steelers. And the Steelers are going to end their season with a whimper. Um, I don't think that Kenny Pickett's the guy. I don't like that. So I noticed this because I don't watch a lot of Steelers games, but I watched Sunday night. He's not only a two-gloves guy and a glove-on-the-throwing-hand guy, which I don't like. I don't like that. I know he has small hands. I don't like the glove-on-the-throwing-hand. I think it's a bad look. It's a Madden NFL career mode, create a player look Body. to go with the Teddy Bridgewater, gloves. Teddy two gloves. We got an NFL. What's he doing? Huh? What's he doing? What's he doing? What's Teddy Bridgewater doing? Yeah. What's he doing? I'm pretty sure he was back up to Tua Tungavailoa, and then he, you know, well, also yeah. got a concussion. So. Right. So yeah, yeah. So it's the gloves. So Pickett is gloves. ruined because of the gloves. I, I'm just, I'm saying, I'm not a glove guy. <laughs> not a glove guy for quarterbacks. For receivers, obviously, anywhere else on the field, except for maybe a punter, because like punters, you know, they, they kind of need to get the ball and really feel it and drop it nice and maybe get that spin on it. Well, regardless, Kenny Pickett was the reason why they won that game. <laughs> I know, I know. And for me, I was very conflicted in that game. And I was even more conflicted because I learned during that game that not only is he a glove guy, he's also a clear visor guy. Oh boy. And he's a clear visor at night guy. So like you get that Jesus. glare. Coming on, and I'm like, this guy, he's a creative player. Like he he gets all the accessories in Madden. He he has to add all of them. I'm surprised he's not like a big Brian Urlacher neck brace guy. He's even got the long hair. Yeah. Random long hair. He's he's a I just I don't like his look. And for me, he's not a franchise quarterback because of his look. Only because of his look. Well, time will tell. But you know, I do like the whole picket to pickens uh I know connection. Yeah, I Pickens, I don't it's a know. Lot of picks. Huh? It's a lot of picks. Yeah. It's an unfortunate name to have as a quarterback and, you know, throwing interceptions and such, but tremendous I, numbers. Yeah. For Kenny Pickett. 168 yards in this one. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> Generational. Yeah. Well, he beat Tyler Huntley. He only put up 130. You know, he's no Mitch Trubisky, but at least, you know, he's he's out there trying. Um, he is out there trying. You got to give him that. He's a big trier. As far as Pat the Steelers, moves. As, as far as the Steelers go, they finish now. Well, they still have next week, but 
They're seven and eight. But they keep their playoff hope alive. Are they, they, are they a playoff team? Are they? I think they are. I think they are. As stupid as that sounds, I think they are. They have Cameron Hayward. He's still as old as shit as he is. He's still – he had two sacks in this game. He's still he, playing well. He did. And he, and he, and he also had a, a crucial personal foul penalty as well. They got – you know, T.J. Watt is – is. I know Mika Fitzpatrick got hurt in that game. Did he come back after that? Mm. Hold on. If they, I don't think he did. Fitzpatrick. If they lost him. I watched that hurts. whole game too, and that was like less than 48 hours ago. Uh, he does have an ankle injury, but I haven't said anything about him not playing. So I'm just going to assume mm-hmm. he's playing right now. Right. Um, especially given that they're in an NF or a playoff situation. Um, uh, where am I at? So, dang, lost my game here. Oh, here we go. So, on defense, you know, Cameron Hayward, Mika Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, they really don't have any holes on the defensive line or their secondary. So, when we're looking at the biggest weakness they have, going into a possible playoff scenario, it's their offense. Mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett looks pretty good, but he's still a rookie. He, he He's a gloves guy. He is a gloves guy. He's a clear visor guy. Najee Harris can't seem to get going on the ground. He's he's doing fine receiving, catching, you know, passes out of the backfield. But he's so bipolar. It's like, how do we get him – to last year, Najee, because last year, Najee, 2021, Najee was one of the best backs in the league. 2022, I, Najee, everybody expects him to be. Is that just scheme? It's his list frank injury is the problem. He's been playing. Now he just got it removed, the the plate that's in his boot that he plays mm-hmm. with. Um, but as you can see, this past game, 16 carries, 53 yards. That's 3.3 yards per clip, which is abysmal. He he um, looked good, like he looked yeah, strong he, in this game. At he times. did look good, um, but most most of that was you know on the receiving end, catching right. passes on checkdowns. But he um, he really needs to pick it up. I, I obviously being an Alabama fan, I love Najee Harris. Pick it up, but yeah, nice. Um, if they can get Najee Gar- Najee Harris going and get that run game going, open up the pass a bit, get George Pickens open. You know Deontay Johnson, he hasn't had a a touchdown, I think, all year, um, which is insane considering the year he had last year. Um, so that's a problem. They just don't really have a consistent offense, which obviously led them to this eight nine record. But if they can, if Kenny Pickett could somehow figure out a way to take his game to the next level in this final game, I mean, I think that solidifies his. You know, any question marks that he may have, um, you know, because he had a great year at Pitt last year. And, you know, you're you're in the shadow of Ben Roethlisberger. So you're you're trying to push forward. With and the great Mason Rudolph. And the great Mason Rudolph. Let's not forget. Um, I don't know. I think um, I think Pittsburgh, as much as. They're really close to being a playoff team, and even though I said earlier I think they are, the the offense is the biggest question mark. So they've got the Cleveland Browns, historical rivalry. Good team. 
early game on Sunday. I think Sunday, unless that's a Saturday. My brain is wired for Sunday. Week 18. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a Sunday game. So Sunday I love it. I love it. It's going to be cold. Pittsburgh's favored by three. Should be a close game. Playoff spot on the line for Pittsburgh. Of course, they need some other games to fall their way. But let's say that Najee Harris pickets up. Ah. And let's say that all the Sims, all the Steven Sims go the way for Pittsburgh. Steven Sims. In the game against Cleveland. Kansas legend. Then, Derek, what do you think are the playoff prospects for the Steelers? Do you think that they can get past a wild card round? Do you think that they maybe they could surprise some people? Just the style that they play. I mean, I know that Baltimore's playing without Lamar Jackson, but they stymied that offense. The style that they play this late in the year, tough on defense. Is this a team that can maybe surprise in the playoffs? No. And I only say that because the strength of the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills is just too much. Um, you have a team in each division in the AFC that can, well, maybe if they end up somehow playing the Jaguars. But, <laughs> but you know, they're going to end up playing one of those top seed teams. And I yeah, just it's going to be a top seed. I don't see them beating the Ravens, Bengals, or Chiefs, or even the Bills. No, I, I agree. It's entertaining. Um, just looking at the playoff scenarios, uh, obviously they have to win. Um, oh, I didn't know. I yeah, Acrisure Stadium. I keep forgetting that that's that that's the name now. Oh, Acrisure, and that's like what we have here in the desert. We have Acrisure Arena. Oh, how about that? But um, either way, so the Bills and the Jets have to win or at least tie in their games this weekend in order for the Steelers to be in. The Bills will host uh, the Patriots, um, who are playing some pretty good football right now themselves, and the Jets are at the Dolphins. So Dolphins need to go down. Patriots need to go down. Both of those things happen. Um, then you have there's also, the Steelers in. There's also a big scenario with the Bills and the Bengals. You mm-hmm. know, they have a postponed game right now. Bills sitting at 12-3, and three, Bengals at 11-4. and four. That has first-round buy implications. Oh, absolutely. So um, with that in mind, you know, I don't think – I mean, regardless, the Steelers don't have a shot. So that's – Well, Bills – the Bills should beat the Patriots. But again, like these divisional matchups, and especially you, you never want to discount Bill Belichick They'll beat the in January. Jets and the Dolphins – that's the one where you're like, okay, you know, but Miami, like we 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 touched on it. Um, don't know if two is going to be back yet. I don't think for that one. And they've lost five straight. That <laughs> their season is nuts. Oh, dude, epic collapse. Well, they've had what I saw a graphic. It was like they went zero and five, and then they won their next six, and they lost their next five, or something like that. And it's all. Uh, tied to the two injury mm-hmm. as soon as he goes down and they have another quarterback they can't win games so you know there's a lot of people who are scrutinizing Tua for his you know ability to not stay healthy but the reality is he's the glue that keeps that offense together um 
no matter who you have, whether it's Bridgewater or whoever that whoever their other who who they have running now, it doesn't matter. Someone bad. Um, without Tua, they're just trash um, because he's the one who makes all the plays happen. So yeah, I mean, third string quarterback is something called Skyler Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. So. Did not look good in the last game, and plus he's a Skyler. Like no one, I mean, just, okay. Leave that. If name you're going to have a child, don't ever name them Skyler. It doesn't matter if it's a male or a female. Just don't do it. It's just a stupid name. Was that Devin Sawa's character in Little Giants? Was he a Skyler? Ooh. Or am I thinking of Devin Sawa and Casper? Uh, yeah, I think you're thinking of. We we have to know this. Yeah, we're, if you can hear a furious typing right now, that's, yeah, this is that's us. Is, we don't want to. Fuck no, this he up. was a junior. Uh, oh, that's pretty bad too. Oh, junior. He was. No, he wasn't. Little Giants. Devin Sawa. Yeah, yeah, but he played Junior Floyd. I thought his name oh, was Skyler. Dude, I'm kind of drunk. I thought when you said Junior, he was in Junior, like with Danny DeVito. <laughs> And Arnold Schwarzenegger, but no, okay. Devin Sawa was yeah. in, yeah, mm-hmm. with Becky the Icebox Obviously. O'Shea, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Annexation of Puerto Rico, yes. Okay, so where are we at? What are we doing? Oh, he played Casper and Cat. I so, he looks like Devin Sawa looks like a Skyler, and Skyler Thompson just don't. Skyler shouldn't be a thing. He might as well be named Skyler. Sawa. Might as well be named Skyler. Is what that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he was a junior, though. Same difference. Not in junior. but oh, Not in junior. He was junior a junior. In, in Little Giants. Giants. Got it. Nailed Giants it. are a playoff team. <laughs> I have a buddy. Anymore. I have a buddy who's absolutely obsessed with Little Giants. My buddy Marty. He would be right really upset so. if he heard us talking about this right now because he'd be <laughs> punching air trying to figure out why we don't know his character. But. The annexation of Puerto Rico. So, 49ers Raiders, bro. This is this was not only the game of the day. It's the big one. It was okay. So, for so, everybody, so, so paint a picture, <coughs> tell the story. Start at the beginning. Well, since since neither of our while you do this, I'm going to grab another white claw. Do it. Since uh, am I? I'm good. Since neither of our listeners follow us on social media, um, if you did, you would know. So in in my fantasy league, I was playing for third place. Um, in this league, it's not a winner-take-all league, so third place gets their money back. So there was big money on the line. There was 30 whole dollars, which in this economy, you can imagine. Um, $30 on the line here. So big implications. I'm playing my buddy Zach. Zach Tepperman runs a PR firm uh, out of Nashville, Tennessee. He's a big sports guy. Um, he's pretty invested in this. He was actually – uh, finished the regular season as the number one seed in our league. I finished as the number three seed. So pretty big matchup here for third place. Um, so going into it, I shoot Zach a text and I say, hey, there's a lot riding on this game. You have Robbie Gold as your kicker. I have Carlson for the Raiders. And I said, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we empty our teams, put everybody on the bench, and let's go straight up Robbie Gold versus Daniel Carlson Kicker versus kicker for third place in the league. We're going to make this matter more than our league championship. And personally, I think that this is how every third place matchup 
totally. in fantasy going forward should be played, especially if the kickers are actually playing each other in the same game. So as soon as this 105 kickoff came, I was glued to the TV watching the Niners and the Raiders, and I was rooting for the Raiders to get into the red zone and they get stymied and then have to kick a field goal. <laughs> and that happened on the first drive. I was so pumped. Yes. Um, early in the game, things were looking good. Uh, later in the game, that's where things got interesting. This game ends up 37 to 34 um, with the 49ers winning in overtime. And this, okay. So in the fourth quarter, I am, uh, we are tied. We have 11 kicker points each. Like I said, I was looking good early on. Then the Niners come back, they get a touchdown. So that's one extra point there. Then they come back, they get a field goal. Uh, actually, I think a couple field goals um, in the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden it's tied 11 kicker points to 11 kicker points. And we're in the fourth quarter. And at this point there was like less than four minutes, I want to say. And I'm like, oh shit, like, the Raiders aren't going to get the ball back. And if they do at that point, I think they needed a touchdown to win. The Niners were driving. Robbie Gold lines up. He's in position uh, to win the game or at least take the lead at the time for the 49ers. And he shanks it. Robbie Gold, the legend, shanks it. It's wide right. It, I couldn't believe it. So actually at this point, I was up 12 to 11. So I, I was up by one. I'm actually following along your thread here on Long Balls, it's, long balls and Loggers on Twitter. Long Balls and Loggers long on balls Twitter. Loggers. It's at Long Balls Loggers because Twitter wouldn't let us do the AM. <laughs> at Long Balls Loggers on Twitter. You can see all the screen caps there. You can see the thread. It was, it was an epic way to end a fantasy season. I'm not even mad about the outcome. but So we go to overtime. In overtime, the Raiders are driving, and I'm like, okay, maybe we can win this thing. All that the Raiders have to do is score a point, and I win. If it's a touchdown, it doesn't matter because I'm up 12 to 11. If it's a field goal, even better. You know, I went 13 to 11. Oh, and not only that, I took the lead on a 50-plus yarder from Daniel Carlson. That was – he had a 57-yard kick that he sunk. Do you guys so, do five points for those? Or uh, I think that that one was actually four. I, okay. Yeah, it was an extra point that gave me the actual lead. So I was like, I was pumped about this. So that's, that's what sets this whole thing up. We go to overtime, and Raiders are driving, and all of a sudden, turnover. And not only turnover, it's an interception. Brutal. It's interception. It was um, – here, I can find it. Uh, that was that was Tayshawn Gibson. Mm -hmm. So Tayshawn Gibson has the interception in overtime for the 49ers, and he's running it back. And now all of a sudden, my brain is going from like, oh, shit. Like, there goes, you know, Daniel Carlson's chance to either win in overtime for his team or at least for the Raiders to, to score a touchdown. I'm watching Tayshaun Gibson streak down the sideline, and now all of a sudden I'm rooting for Tayshaun Gibson to score <laughs> because if he scores, then the game is over yeah. and there's no need to kick the extra point, and I still win 12 to 11, and he gets tackled at, like, the four-yard line. I'm like, come on, you can't just punch that in. You have to punch that in. It was it was weak. He gets tackled the four. They come out. They center the ball for Robbie Gold. He's not going to miss two times in a row. No. He sinks it. I lose fourteen kicker points to eleven kicker points. Another crushing loss on a kick for Justin this weekend. It was very bad kicker weekend for Justin. I was very nonplussed. And if kickers were people, I'd be even more upset than I am right now. You were projected 
to win 13 to 12 and lost 14 to 12. <laughs> it's just brutal. But I think we established through this experiment that this is the premier way. This is it. To, to settle third place third finishes. Place. Third where place both finishes teams in fantasy. Have kickers playing each other. I think that you got you. you or go look, out of your way. Well, to make the kickers play each other in a third base, third yes. place game. You should look at whoever's in one of those bullshit consolation games. Don't fuck with your championship. Don't fuck with one sure. or two. They're kickers off the board. But I think the commissioners all over the country need to step up and say, okay, if you're in a consolation game, we can take your kicker off of your team and we can create a matchup where we have two kickers, two good kickers, comparable kickers that are playing each other in the third place matchup. And then you just go mono mono kicker versus kicker because this was the coolest shit. This was the most fun that I've had in fantasy all season long playing for third place. And this it is makes how you it, do it literally fantasy football. It is fantasy football. It's 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 unmissable. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's literally football. It is You're, football. It's all That's kicking. it. All kicking. That's all it is. It's the spirit of the game. Wow. You so for me, that was the game of the day. Um, I think for everybody, that was the, the game of the day. It was a know, great game. No – no playoff implications or anything on the line um, outside of the Niners still trying to wrap up the number one overall seed. Um, got some help from Green Bay with that. Also, let's just touch on this very quickly. Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. He's won four games in a row as a rookie. He's the only rookie quarterback to do that since Ben Roethlisberger back in the day. Is this the guy? for San Francisco, or do they see what they have in Trey Lance when he goes through rehab and all that stuff? You know, Ryan and I talked about it last week a little bit, and that was even before, you know, Brock Purdy putting up another winning performance this week. And I think what you're seeing is Brock Purdy can win you a game. And I said this about, you know, all the college quarterbacks we talked about. I don't think that Brock Purdy is going to lose you a game. He makes smart throws. When he has to, he makes big throws. He's better throwing down the middle of the field in the red zone. I think that that's one thing that you're, you know, if if he is kind of the guy, I mean, he's going to have to be the guy in the playoffs, so maybe we'll see then. But he's he he looks to Kittle in the middle of the field, and he looks to Ayuk underneath in the middle of the field, I think, too much, especially in the red zone. So I want to see him make more throws to the perimeter and specifically deep throws to the perimeter where he has to drop it into a bucket. That's the only thing that I see in his game that he, that he hasn't done. But when you have receivers like Ayuk and like Kittle, and if they get a healthy Debo Samuel back, which I think they should, maybe not, you know, well, they they probably will end up with a bye week. So maybe they do get him back for their first playoff game. And the way that Christian McCaffrey's playing out of the backfield um, – McCaffrey, yeah, six receptions, 72 yards in this game. So he's he's making the plays out of the backfield, uh, catching as well, receiving as well. So I think that Purdy has enough weapons around him in this offense to where he doesn't have to make all the throws. But I still want to make him make all those throws before you're ready to say going into next year, like, oh, he could be the guy. And I say could be because you, you still have Trey Lance uh, and where he was drafted. In his contract, that's still hanging over the franchise. I don't think that you can just walk away from him. Um, you still have Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think that they just need to make a hard cut. But it's hard because you really don't know what you have with Purdy still. 
I think the playoffs will tell us a lot, but if we're making this decision week 17 right now, I think that it's, it's, it's a very difficult situation. But the good news is that Purdy isn't going anywhere. He's on his rookie contract. <laughs> Trey Lance, not going anywhere. He's on his rookie contract. Jimmy Garoppolo, if you want to bring him back and make it a three-headed monster going into OTAs and camp, you can do that because he's going to be super affordable. You're not looking at a player like Russell Wilson leaving your organization after a number of oh, years man. where you're like, oh, you have to give him a franchise deal or you have to tag him to keep him around. Like, so they're in a good situation. They could very well bring all three guys back and maybe injuries just kind of it solves itself like it did this year. You don't want to rely on that. But I think that if you go into training camp with a quarterback battle between these three guys, Brock Purdy has shown enough down the stretch this year. We'll see what he does in the playoffs. But right now, week 17, he's shown enough. He hasn't lost the job. And I think that he's done enough to, to answer a lot of those questions rather than create more questions because Garoppolo and especially Trey, Trey Lance, they've only created questions the last two years. I selfishly want Brock Purdy to be the next Tom Brady. I want him to be Mr. Irrelevant going from the last pick of the draft to 17 Super Bowl titles. You know, <laughs> I, I it could don't, happen. I don't think it will, but I want it to happen so bad just because he was the last pick of the draft mm-hmm. as Brandon Hagel just scores <laughs> on his former team. Blackhawks <laughs> suck, man. All right. Sorry. No, no, you're that's that's all good, but that was the game of the day. Um, obviously, you know, moving into Monday, we all saw um, what happened on Monday Night Football. I couldn't believe it. I mean, our our phones were blowing up with notifications about oh, the game has been suspended and there was this terrible injury. And uh, you know, like I said earlier, I do want to talk about it because as sports fans, you don't know how to react. Like it was a play; it, it looked like nothing you know demar hamlin steps up he makes a good tackle on t higgins goes to the ground pops right back up again and the camera even cut away after that initially on the live broadcast and you're like Mm -hmm. okay you know and then all of a sudden like everybody gets quiet players are standing around players start to take a knee and you're like oh shit you know what's going on and then they come back and they say we have an injury on the field but still nobody understands there's some urgency with the trainers and I think immediately, as soon as they called for the paramedics, you're like, whoa, you know, this is bad. But nothing appeared on that initial play to really be that serious. And it became serious very, very quickly. And I think that that's obviously a nod to the medical staff that was there at the stadium to recognize, you know, we have a serious situation. You're not just kind of jogging out there for a twisted ankle and handing everybody a Gatorade bottle. Yeah. Um, this is very serious. And Kudos to the fans in Cincinnati because they recognized very quickly that this was serious. Um, yeah, Bengals fan holding up the sign. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was impressive. And as I was watching it, and as they showed the replay of him standing back up and then going back and collapsing to the ground, that was hard to watch for everybody because you don't see that. We're sports fans. You're a sports fan if you're listening. You watch a game to be entertained. Of course, you want to see a big hit. You understand that injuries that occur within the context of the game are part of the game. We've seen legs get mangled. We've seen players get knocked out. We've seen ribs get crushed. You never want to see that, but you understand when that happens, what that means. And you understand that when you see somebody on the back of a cart with an air cast on their leg, what that means. 
that's a risk that these players accept. If you're watching that as a fan, that's something that unfortunately it's a part of the game and you're going to see it. But the players understand that too. They know what they're signing up for. Nobody is signing up for cardiac arrest live on national television on Monday Night Football in front of 60,000 people. Yeah. Live there in the stadium and million, tens of millions watching at home. Nobody is a fan is signing up to see a play end that way. If there's a big hit and if somebody gets injured on that hit as a direct result of that hit, you don't want to see it, but you understand. Mm -hmm. Nobody understood this. And, you know, really, it shook the players, obviously. It would shake anybody. It shook a lot of fans watching at home. You just look up and down social media. The players on that field on both sidelines, they understood immediately within seconds. Just from the incredible response from the medical staff there. They weren't going to play another snap of football that night. How could you? Yeah. Then all of a sudden it comes down to the league. And on the broadcast, they said, okay, well, you know, the league has told the officials that both teams are going to have five minutes to warm up and then we're going to resume this game. The league has since come out this morning and said, well, that wasn't true. We don't know where that came from. Maybe that's what typical procedure is if you have a card on the field. Maybe that's the case. We don't know what procedures are internally with the NFL. But they, they walked that back this morning. But regardless, the tremendous response from the players on both sidelines, and then especially the response from Zach Taylor, of the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, to walk across the field and walk up to Sean McDermott and say, what do you guys want to do here? You know, the officials were right there. All four of them were huddled around the head coaches. And who knows what they were saying if they were saying, hey, you know, we're going to try to get this going or – Hopefully they were asking them and saying, hey, what do you guys want to do? That's more what it looked like. Mm -hmm. um, but for Zach Taylor to jog across the field and really put the ball figuratively in Sean McDermott's, in the, in the Buffalo Bills' hands, that was such a classy move. And for Sean McDermott to stand there and really be with his players and can consult his players, and we all saw the shot of the ambulance going off the field, and everybody, everyone from that Bills sideline in prayer on one knee, from equipment personnel to trainers to coaches to players, obviously – um, it was really quite a scene. And later on, as you watch the coverage continue, uh, the ESPN broadcasters did a fantastic job. Um, Lisa Stalter, um, I need to look up her name, but she was uh, the sideline reporter. She was there with the Bills on the sideline uh, when it happened. Um, Lisa Salters, uh, she was there on the sideline when it happened with the Bills. She was there in the tunnel with the ambulance as it was leaving. Um, she was there bringing us live coverage of the officials meeting in the tunnels and uh, some of the players milling around and the coaches milling around. Like I said, nobody's prepared to watch like what unfolds. So no, totally. one, no one knows how to present this type of situation. A lot of people use the word unprecedented while it's not because we, I mean, a player died on the field in 1967 and mm -hmm. they still played the game. But the thing that's crazy about this situation is it's not an injury that was very like, like you said, it wasn't obvious. T. Higgins kind of, you know, it, um, hit him in the in the chest as he was trying to avoid a tackle. The tackle was made. You know, Demar gets up, kind of adjusts his helmet, and then falls down. At that moment, you know it's serious, and it's much bigger than football. You know, 
when a player gets injured, like Ryan Shazier a couple of years ago, when he when he messed up his neck and had to be carted on, off on the same field. Yeah, that's not a situation where you're wondering if this person's going to live. Right. I mean, you know, it's a serious injury, mm-hmm. but in Demar Hamlin's case, he's completely unresponsive the entire time from when he hits the ground. At that point, you're not playing football again. And I think everything was handled pretty as best as it could have. It's not a good situation. It's a premier football game with implications. Both. It's probably the biggest Monday night game of the season. Absolutely. And it's not something you want to see. It was probably the biggest game of the season. 100%. Um, you don't want to see the game postponed. But at the same time, if this gentleman's going to lose his life on the field, potentially, I, you don't play a game anymore. So I think they, they made the right call. Um, as it stands right now, Tamar Hamlin, as Ryan mentioned earlier, he's at 50% oxygen, which is great news, down from 100 um, on the ventilator. So hopefully everything works out for the best in the end uh, with Tamar. But um, as far as the football game itself goes, I think uh, the league did a great job of handling it. Um, the broadcasters did a great job of handling it. Everything you te- you touched on, I, I pretty much agree with. The The league caught a lot of flack, and I think a lot of it stems from that five minutes and let's go. Yeah. And I would love to know where that came from, if that was a – producer at ESPN that said, oh, this is what we're hearing and you should mention it to let viewers know what to expect. Because by by that point, they'd already gone to three or four consecutive commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were completely, you know, I, yeah, they you don't know what to do. With they it. weren't clueless. Yeah. But in that situation, it's like, well, we don't want to keep showing this and we don't want to keep speculating. We don't, we don't want to keep talking about it. So, well, let's go to commercial break. So on the television side, maybe there's some employee between the field and the NFL and the booth and the television side of it that is just thinking back in their mind about what protocol would be. And that's probably it. That I mean, That's the only thing that I can think of is in this situation when you have a major injury and the player is taken off the field and carted off the field, you know, we let's go back say, to the precedent. Yeah. yeah. You, you revert to what's happened in the past. And if it's, if it's a, if it's an ACL, you know, that's a major injury that involves a car coming out of the field and taking a player off the field. In that situation, you know, it's not life-threatening. It happens all the time in football, it's contact sport. Mm-hmm. And you see that and you understand, okay, players off the field on a cart, we had a lengthy delay. We have to give the athletes, especially in a cold environment like Cincinnati in January, we have to give the athletes some time to warm up. So that's going to be the procedure. But that's the only procedure that you know. So if it's a... If it's an, an NFL official or an NFL, you know, not an executive, but an employee of the league that is discussing with a producer, maybe that's where that thought process comes in. But then you realize very quickly, no, this is more serious. And yeah, these guys aren't going to be playing football in five minutes. I would hope, and there's no indication that there was any pressure from the league at that point. And when they had that shot in the tunnel of Zach Taylor talking to Sean McDermott outside of the Buffalo Bills locker room, there was somebody on the phone. Uh, they were passing a cell phone around between the coaches, between the officials, and between um, 
there was uh, an executive vice president there from the league that attends every Monday night game. And they were all passing the phone around. And I would, you know, we have a pretty good idea who was probably on the other end of that phone, but it was somebody from the league office, obviously. And I think that in that moment, the league came together with everybody involved and said, we're not going to play this game tonight. And immediately after that, you saw the equipment staff of the Buffalo Bills begin to pack up the sidelines. So a decision was made in that tunnel with Zach Taylor and with Sean McDermott. And we saw the hug between the two head coaches and we saw the handshake. That indicates right there, okay, officially now the game is over. All the parties have been involved. We've all come together and make a, to make a decision. Game's over. That happened nearly an hour after the injury occurred, if you follow the timeline. Should it have been made quicker? Maybe. But when you're talking about yeah, you're talking know. about television, you're talking about 60,000, I don't know, capacity, but let's call it 60,000 people in attendance. You're talking about week 17. You're talking about the biggest game of the year. You're talking about, you know, Monday night football. <laughs> I think an hour is the perfect amount of time yeah. <laughs> to assess this. We situation. have to assess yeah. everything. And everybody within that hour is hoping, okay, we can get DeMar Hamlin to the hospital. We can have doctors evaluate him further, treat him further. And I think everybody was hoping that maybe within that hour we would have some some good definitive news. Yeah, if they got positive news, yeah. like they, you know, he's he's responsive and breathing, mm-hmm. that they would be able to maybe continue it without mm-hmm. worrying about his status. I think, yeah, that that's possible. We saw it with Donald Parham last year in the charge. Mm-hmm. Scary, scary scene in the end zone. And on a hit that didn't look that bad, but he hit his head on the turf and that was one of the worst concussions that we've seen. They took his face mask off. They put him on the stretcher with his face mask still on. He was unresponsive for, you know, a very a significant period of time. Chris Olave earlier this year. Chris Olave earlier this year. Uh, to a tongue mm-hmm. where he stands twice. up and he's unsteady twice. You know, we see these things. So they're, when, when you don't understand that you're dealing with a heart and a cardiac issue, I can understand how maybe there's that speculation of, okay, because in all of those situations, the player's taken off. They end up being responsive. And to his situation, he ends up playing the next week. But, you know, Donald Parham, we got the news later on in the, in the broadcast that he was at the hospital, he was responsive, and he had movement in all of his extremities. Okay, now we can start to understand, and now we can start to maybe move on. And you're, you're still not thinking about football in Parham's case. You're thinking about quality of life. But that's the major responsiveness. Mm-hmm. And movement in all your lips. In that moment. Never happens in the game. No. Yeah. And that's such a huge weight that's lifted off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Okay, at least this person's life isn't over. But we never got that answer with Tamar Hamlin. Mm-hmm. We still don't have that answer with Tamar Hamlin. We're not going to have that answer with Tamar So DeMar at that Hamlin. point, it becomes a very stressful situation for the viewer. Very. And being able to put the kibosh on this, you know, and not – further that stress i think is the right call so it is you you've got to shift the focus away mm-hmm. after a certain point you're not going to get any while also focusing on the player yeah but, yeah so anyway that's that was my experience watching it i hope that we'll all you know i hope that before we go to bed tonight i hope that within seconds of ending this podcast we get some tremendous news about tomorrow hamlin yeah but tomorrow i think hamlin, we understand certainly in my prayers this evening I think we understand in, in, in this case is that, you know, we don't know what we're going to get, but all that we can do is keep thinking positive thoughts. And 
all that we can do is understand that football, it doesn't matter if this game is played this week, which they already said it's not, again, a decision that I completely agree with. I think everybody completely agrees with that. This game doesn't matter. You know, on the field, between the lines, 100 yards. This game matters for 100 yards. Outside of that, on the sideline, all the way up through the stadium, everybody watching at home, and especially for DeMar Hamlin and his family, this game doesn't mean shit. That's the approach that we need to take. And we'll see what ends up happening. I hope that the league continues to consult with not only the Buffalo Bills and the team and not only the Cincinnati Bengals and their team, but most importantly, obviously, with DeMar Hamlet's family. I think that they have to be a part of this decision. Are we going to play this game? When are we going to play this game? What are we, what are we going to do? And until then, I think, obviously, all parties involved are just going to continue hoping and praying for the best. Yep, totally agree. Well, with that, uh, yeah, with that, we're going to leave you. Uh, we're going to pick it up again next week. Um, obviously, Damar Hamlin is in our thoughts and in our prayers. And hopefully by the time next week rolls around, all of this is behind us with some very, very positive news. And we can focus again on what happens between the end zones and, and within that 100 yards on the field because that's what we enjoy talking about. And let's leave the rest of this behind us. Prayers up, Damar Hamlin. Hope you come out on top of this. Um Great show. Great talking to Ryan again this week. Um, hopefully next week we'll have our friends over at Disney on to talk drinking and such. We will. Next week's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a lot to talk about. NFL playoffs, college football championships going to be behind us. That's going to be a big one. We're going to talk a little wife swapping too next week, so make sure you tune in. I want to save that one for Ryan because I know he knows a lot about wife swapping. <laughs> We're going to get into some wife swapping and uh, a famous incident Maybe not so famous since they're from nice. We're going to make it famous. We're going to make it famous. We're going to make it famous next week. This has been this week on Suspended Indefinitely. I'm Justin Reschke for Alex Gratis joining us live in studio for Ryan Noonan joining us clear across the country, probably in bed right now. Thank you so much for joining us. Check us out on social media, longballsandloggers.com, longballsloggers on Twitter, Instagram as well. We out. You've been suspended indefinitely. <laughs>